Hello, this is the audio-only version of the Council on Future Conflicts. If you prefer video, please join us on the Future Conflicts channel on YouTube. If you'd like to watch the show live and participate in the chat, the show begins at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as a special Saturday evening show at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, sharing our show with friends, and reviewing us on your podcasting app of choice. Now on with the show. All right. Good morning. Uh, day fourteen of the UK, of the Ukraine war. Um, I am live here with uh, the council uh, of the UK. We've got uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Um, you know, some some different things we've kind of noticed pop up in our feeds. Um, so w- we hope you enjoy it. Um, Joe, how are you doing this morning? I am well and good. A little tired, but other than that, I'm all right. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Me too, man. I was downtown Detroit, so I was probably at higher risk than most people in Ukraine last night. <laughs> so, well, you know, if you believe some of these YouTubers, that nobody's in at risk at uh, right? in, in Ukraine. <laughs> so, I mean, you're probably in good, uh, good company. I'd like to see you walk around with a hand cam in places in Detroit. What are they talking about? There's no, uh, there's no crime in Detroit. I don't know. They'd steal the camera. So <laughs> they would steal the camera. That's right. You'd get beat up. It's- and the camera gets stolen. Oh uh, yes, uh, I I feel your uh, pain today. I uh, you know to join the crowd of people who are groggy and and just woke up. I I I foolishly took a nap uh, right before the show, and so I woke up. Uh, I don't know, right at right at thirty minutes prior, and I was like, oh, you know, because I overslept my little alarm by fifteen minutes, so. Anyway, so I feel the the grogginess. You know, it's too bad I don't have a caffeinated drink here like you guys do. For those of you who don't know, when you're in the regular army like Scott, when you get above the rank of captain, you get a two hour nap block in your daily schedule. Just just right. so you know, especially, it is known. Especially when you schedule time to stay up from eleven to one in the morning to live yeah. stream to you, you good folk. Um, all right, so. Uh, <laughs> Mike, how are you doing? Morning, gentlemen. I was going to say, there's <clears throat> my voice is shit. Um, you know, there's a golf block for some of those guys in there too. You know, yeah, all those officers. They get yeah. golf or nap. Golf or nap. Yeah. I, 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 mean, see, that, I thought yeah. doesn't that, that start at like uh, uh, right below Colonel, essentially? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So it's like they encourage the playing of golf as a part of the official curriculum at uh, CNGSC. Yeah, it kind of so, depends if you're a combat arms guy or not. Combat <laughs> arms guys, it's probably about lieutenant colonel level. Yeah, and everyone that's <laughs> not, they they because start. combat early. arms guys actually are sitting there. They're the ones like hunched over their planning desks while the colonels are out uh, playing right. golf. But for the sustainers, man, they, those guys once they hit company commander, it's like you know, you know that's that's their toots. And, and, out in their toots in the afternoon uh, training without troops which is the the smartest thing ever that some officer ever invented because it allows officers to go away from the troops and not have to you know do anything you know our CWO got really mad at the officers one time and decided to uh, take the entire range out to the uh, the golf course for PT well that's interesting you know I'm on almost all army installations I've been to PT is strictly forbidden 
on the on the golf cart path in uh, on the golf course, which oh, I think oh, is ironic oh no. because he took us out to golf during PT golf. time. Well, but that's just it. I mean, it's it, you know that must be a marine thing. You guys wait till the sun comes up to do PT. So the army, we actually do PT in the morning, and it's Who usually not uh, it's usually not uh, light yet. So. You think there's a time when Marines don't do PT? I was just going to say, you, you think there's a designated PT time? That's funny. <laughs> it's whenever it hurts most. Yeah. Well, it, it, the rest of the time, it, it, I'm not saying we're not doing push-ups, but that's, it's different. That's, that's a corrective and developmental training uh, versus, uh, versus just physical training. It's a mental, you know, thing. Well, Jesus, look at this. 510. So, oh my goodness. Ouch! Yeah, I I saw some of these uh, on the news. They were showing the uh, full service uh, gas. Oh, in Oregon. Oh my God! It was just like you know six bucks a gallon. Full, but it was full service. It wasn't the you know self pump. The self pump was like about forty five to fifty cents cheaper. Did they finally uh, kill that in Oregon to where they made it optional? I think Jersey is still the only place I know of where it's where you have to get. Yeah, you ha they have to fill it at the pump. But but I I don't know anywhere else. Let's look at gas, buddy. As long as we're having this discussion, so I can get queasy all over again. Mike, what's well, uh what's what's the what's the price of gas where you're at? I haven't a clue. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. Uh, probably north of three fifty. Let's see. I really don't know. I haven't had to buy Calif for a while, so. Oh, California average is five fifty right now. Five fifty-five. You, you can see in the comment section, people reporting in five fifty, yeah. four thirty in Virginia, uh, from Clay. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of all over the map. The one, that, the that, one that's always interesting to you know the difference between New Jersey versus Montana. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, the one I think the winner that I've seen is, so far in the chat, let's see, is, um, yeah. So she she's doing she's doing she's doing the uh, Oof, the, the figure Europe, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, where is it the uh, the Europe? Well, yeah, yeah, there we go. Two twenty euro per liter diesel, oh, ten God. bucks. That is ten bucks a, a gallon uh, for diesel. Forget about it. And, and the thing I keep reminding everybody uh, when I talk to them throughout the day is just remember, it's not the rich people that give a shit about the gas prices. It's the poor people who get fucking hosed at the pumps. Yeah, there, of course, there's always commentary, social media. But uh, Stephen Colbert, I guess, is one of many, I think. Uh, you know, he's the comedian on Late Night. And he basically said, you know, oh. You know, that's the price we have to pay for, you know, freedom. It's okay. But, you know, I don't really care if it's $10 a gallon because right. I have an electric vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, Colbert, that's what he was saying. I'm, I'm just like, it's right, because you're a millionaire. A millionaire doesn't yeah. care if the price of gas goes up. You well, know, they're pushing for electric cars, and this is a great way to do it, except for the fact that with nickel price way up, the electric car prices are about to skyrocket. So. Oh, yeah. Joe, 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 Joe. Come on now. <laughs> you, you mustn't burden yourself with fact. I know. No, I one, no one cares. In fact, I think it was on Twitter. 
you know, someone put up, uh, uh, I think it was in Canada. The guy said, yeah, I used to work at this mine. You know, you see this huge strip mine. Yeah, Where do you think these ores, et cetera, where where does does it come from? What is the ecological impact of a a nickel mine or a uranium mine? Or you just fill in the blank. There's there's a destruction. Everything we do, we destroy something, whether we... (laughs) You create free, beautiful energy, um, but the, but that discussion hasn't been had. You, all you get is the how wonderful electric vehicles are going to be, and you know we don't look at anything systemically, which is very unfortunate. But uh, it's the way it is in the media. Well, you know, I, I can't remember now who dropped this bit of knowledge in my head, but it was it, it was a good thing to to think about. I'm just kind of looking at our DM group so I can give credit. Uh, is it is it Romeo? Maybe 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 Romeo. Maybe, I don't, I'm not sure. Anyway, but thinking about the price of lithium, I mean. You know, nickel is in these batteries, and so is lithium. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I just can't imagine that that this and all, and lithium comes from from South Africa and Russia, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in, and in case anybody thinks there's a cheaper alternative here, uh, no, not 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 really for mobile applications. We've developed some really interesting ones for like super super large sitting in one place applications that might eventually become feasible that use like iron which is super readily available but as far as mobile applications go these are the only options we have at the moment yeah yeah i I see romeo's comment yep lithium cobalt nickel nickel yeah cobalt is rare earth that's probably one of the reasons when i wrote the first book of my you know the las vegas book you know, I talk about rare earth stuff um, in the context of China ex- exploiting it in yeah. Africa, as an example. Uh, yeah, you know, there's another there's another reason there are another reason there, there's another way we're getting outmaneuvered. You know, we we actually have rare earths here in the United States, and we've been, you know, regulating the shit out of it. Certainly since the Obama administration, I, we I have like good stuff. Yeah. You know. I like I like in this meme how we've got the uh, Lego version of that Belarusian. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Legionnaire, legionnaire fighter. <laughs> <laughs> You're a racist. <laughs> I mean, how true is it? It's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Oh boy, you know I, why? Romeo and I are in the same sheet of music. He says China's locked up at the mines in Afghanistan. So you know, we spent yeah. twenty years. In Afghanistan, blood and treasure, and who gets the who gets the actual wealth uh, out of Afghanistan? You know, China, and, and I, I I get into that in one of the books too. But um, some rich guy. Well, yeah, you know, it's all about location, location. Look where they are, and look where we are, and and we're kind of not not well positioned for that. But uh, I w- I wonder if Romeo's got anything going on this morning. Maybe I'll send him the link. Romeo, just put in the chat if you're free. If you if you want to come on and uh, jump in here, we got a we got a smaller council today, so we got uh, we got room if, if you'd like to come mm-hmm. in. That's where you you missed an opportunity there. You should have said Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? Yeah, that would have been the but, way to handle it. But that. I I'm not gay. It so. Says okay. 
<laughs> yeah, right, let me send it, let, let me let me send them a link. <laughs> oh boy! All right, well, gentlemen, is there anything? How how anything else going on in your guys' world lately? Today? Anything yeah. interesting? Uh, let, let me just toss this in there, guys. Um, I, I, I personally am on the low income side of the spectrum. I won't say why, but I'm on a fixed income. Uh, I just want to say, guys, if you're like me and you are not rich and specifically not rich, um, you need to start thinking about ways you might be able to get around when when gas is unobtainable for people in your income uh, bracket. And the time to get a bike if you don't have one, is right the fuck now. Like by Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. In fact, I, I wish if you've got a Costco membership, they have a very, very, very nice mountain bike, a 10-speed, for $300 flat. It fits very large people. Believe me, I know. Large meaning tall. It's kind of fortunate. At the, at the very least, it, it it's starting to warm up. Yep. You know, yeah. yeah. We're, now we're staring at spring, um, and, and you know, hopefully the the gas situation will resolve itself uh, a lot better than it is right now. Well, um, but I, I, Ron, is Ron? I'm just talking about long term. Hey, Ron's here. Yeah, you, you know, uh, you know, a bike is a great thing. I did Christ when I was high school. I mean, I didn't have a car. You know, that's how I got around. You know, no, all the time, and I, and I just get into that habit. You know, starting early, and 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 you just ride a bike from point A to point B. You know, in tech, and and even if you just make it supplemental, if gas is going to get up to seven, eight dollars a gallon, if you if you just have a quick trip and it's just down the block, maybe start taking a bike. Yep. Well, and that also goes to one of the things that I know Joe and I have have talked about. Uh, you know, one of the areas where people like seriously lack in their preps a lot of times is the is they just they don't want to just be physical. Right. They don't want to be active. And, you know, they may do some push ups or whatever before they go to bed. But that's about about it. Um, you know, things like actual building up that kind of endurance, you know, and, and that cardio stamina. That's important, especially <laughs> when the uh, you know, when when gas starts to get you know scarce. Well, well heck, you know, it, it, as simple as carrying a gas can from the gas station back to your right. car, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking even for the, the prepper kind of folks, I mean, you can use the bike with proper racks and stuff yes. to carry, you know, just to push along heavy, heavy loads rather than carry it on your back. Well, that's what's the, that's, say, that's the old a, Ho Chi Minh uh, trick. Exactly. Well, I, or uh, I was going to say there's that Japanese regiment that invaded, uh, was it Malay? That, that used bicycles in order to just absolutely whoop all the defenders there because they moved so quickly. It was unbelievable. And they harvested the bikes locally as well. That was the other thing. They didn't bring them with them. Uh, so you had them riding on bikes with streamers that were stolen from little girls' yards and stuff. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I see really Comrade Corgi made a, made a comment about his knee riding a bike. I had the same problem um, uh, on, on a bike. You might want to consider raising the seat higher than you think or or um, get one of those electric bikes because that's what gave me yeah. knee problems was riding a bike a lot but the, the seat post was too low 
yeah. something well, so, like the tall That's what I was going to say. If, if you follow my Twitter, we, we, we months and months ago when I started looking at this app being a thing, I, I put out a thing showing you how to build your own e-bike for a lot less than you're going to buy one off the shelf for, including really? how to make how to make your own battery pack. I'll have to go find that thing. But yeah, um, how to make your own battery pack without welding. No welding whatsoever. Nice. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. Well, um, uh, yeah. be- before we before we run, I want to say hello. I wasn't sure if you were going to be able to make it this morning, so it's nice to have you here. Good morning. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I slept in a couple extra hours today, so it was yeah. it was nice. It didn't improve my beauty at all, but it it sure felt good. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but we're men, Ron. We don't give a shit about that. <laughs> you know, my my daughter oh, says. Okay. My my daughter says to me today, she or it wasn't today or was it yesterday? I can't remember. But anyway, she says something well, like you're on the other side of the dateline, so it doesn't make any difference. That's right. It could yes, that's right. She anyway, she made some comment about how guys are lucky because you know, you, you guys just roll out of bed and you and you're never gonna look any better. <laughs> that's cold, man. <laughs> but you know, she didn't mean it as an insult. It was more yeah. like, you know, it's like guys just, you know, guys look, you know, great just you know, we just naturally because yes, that's right. We look great naturally. That's uh, what that's why I maintain this haircut. It's not not because uh, I want to still hold on to that those Marine Corps days. It's because it's literally just easier. Well, <laughs> easy. it, my art my argument is is that if you put any real energy into making yourself look better as a man, then we've got probably more fundamental issues. Uh, I'll, I'll, add gotta, I'll add a caveat. I gotta tell you the uh, the geopolitical quality of the show has been suffering just a little bit this morning. <laughs> what? No. Oh no! <laughs> this is a geopolitical face. I I have to look good. Hey, hey, unless you make hey, six figures. Hey, hey, Mike, just just get ready. You know, someday we're gonna be so successful. Uh, you know, we'll have like a manscaping, uh, a manscape. Uh, Dude. Uh, it's a uh, little too much information. The <laughs> Manscaped Lawnmower uh, uh, 3.0. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I think I was watching Grand Thumb uh, earlier this week, and he sponsored. That was a good sponsor. He's got a, a sponsored by Manscaped. I'm just like, how does he do it with a straight face? I mean, <laughs> I think I think we ought to aim for Sheath, Scott. I think Sheath is where we, we need to go for. Oh, uh, hey guys! I don't, I don't know what that is. I was I went and got gas yesterday here in, in Springfield, Virginia. Cheapest place around was Sunoco. They were at four forty for regular octane, wow. over five bucks, five ten for premium. Then I went wow. over to my car dealer to get my car serviced. Almost no salesman in the dealership because they said they don't have any inventory to sell. And if you want to get a car, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I that that's ironic that you mentioned that because me and the wife, you know, we're we've got the move coming up in the summer, uh, and we're we're looking at going to like uh, uh, embassy sales, you know, for uh, you know to to buy a new SUV or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, yeah, I think you know, even if we wanted it now, we couldn't get it now. We're gonna have to wait at least six months probably before. Yeah. we can get delivery and since we're not going to be you know we won't be back in the states for another you know six months or so actually it's a lot sooner than six months now but um you know it's, might as well go ahead and and suck up that weight yeah and we're getting hit double whammy i mean not only the price of fuel going up but um 
like here in our county, uh, our property taxes for your homes, townhouse, whatever kind of home you own, um, last two years has gone up 10 to 11% each of those years. So we're looking at 22% increase in the last two years for property tax. Plus the new budget the county is proposing, you're looking at another 8 to 11%. And it, it's they're taxing the hell out of us. And then um, we also have personal property tax on your vehicles. And now that the uh, value of used vehicles is skyrocketing through uh -huh. the assessed values going up through the roof, your personal property taxes are going up 30, 35%. Everybody's like, where the hell? We're, we're, we're getting taxed. We're getting price increase. The bubble's got to pop sooner or later. If only we could remember a historical example of a country that burst into revolution over a tax. <laughs> yeah. You will own nothing and you will enjoy it. You will like it. That's right. It. You will like it. That's right. By the way, don't step on that cricket. That's my breakfast. Yeah. Good morning, Romeo. It's uh, good to have you in here again. You know, I, I thought of you immediately yesterday when we had that discussion about the uh, the unencrypted cell phone comms, you know, that the mm -hmm. FSB was using. Yeah. Um, so maybe later in the uh, in the talk, we can we can figure out a way to kind of circle back around to that that topic, because, man, I, I still can't get I, I I'll be honest with you. I read some stuff to try to find out if that was real. Um, and everything that I'm seeing, uh, makes me think that that is a real report. So, well, you uh, know, we have our own stew cellular stew phones. Yeah. The stews and the stees or whatever. Yeah. Steve and they're cellular phones. It looks more like a brick than anything else. You know, I don't know if you guys ever had one issued to you, but, um, they work, ours work like crap over our networks. It was very <laughs> seldom you got a good secure uh link up on, on the mobile um you know type one encrypted cell phone yeah no the you know messing around messing around with con with like uh crypto phones was always a pain in the butt because of the, the cards and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. i mean but anyway never mind about that um anyway we'll, we'll may, like i said maybe we'll work it in later a, a little more uh deep dive into that so um so real quick, uh, looking around the region, without calling out any specific events, because uh, the the uh, content on the map is is a little uh, low today, but there are some things to note. Um, if you're looking in the south, um, yeah, whoa, whoa. yeah. So looking over at Curson, um, they're continuing. So I, there has been some uh, not RT, but the uh, I think the Russian uh, Ministry of Defense on YouTube has uh, put out some videos showing uh, food distribution efforts uh, in Kursan. Of course, that's a tried and true, uh, uh, you know, uh, propaganda, uh, you know, kind of thing showing that, hey, look, we're taking care of the folks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's that's the kind of stuff to be expected. In some of the places, what you're seeing is just kind of like it looks like they're doing a local distribution and the random folk coming up and getting it. Um, but I think it was in Kursan is where we saw this kind of a larger assemblage where they had white. Actually, let me let me um, let me pull that uh, that link up real quick for you guys so you can see it because it's you know i just kind of thought of it off the, off the top of my head and i thought i thought it was uh interesting um 
anyway, and so they it just shows. Uh, let's see, we got it right here, I think. Uh, I mean, have you guys been looking at any of the RT or any of the kind of Russian official uh, channels? I generally look at RT once a day or so. Yeah, I ha I haven't looked at RT today, but uh, I've been looking at this like official. Uh, uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the one they, where they're actually handing out the stuff. Oh yeah, here we go. I think this is it. All right, I'm gonna drop the uh, the link in the uh, private chat for you, uh, watcher. By the way, Watcher here is here. I forgot, man. You should have spoke up. I forgot to. Uh, That's fine. To uh, introduce you again, we you know I got we got caught up talking about the uh, bikes and cool stuff like yeah. that. I'm just a ghost in the system. It's fine. Well, I mean, you're definitely a ghost on the screen here. I'm just glad you don't have that little rigged, you know, V2 hey, thing. It's pretty cool. You ought to come check it out sometime. So, so anyway, this is that. This is uh, so. This is what they're showing. It's coming out of uh, Crimea into these kind of southern uh, areas, and I think I've seen it. You know, Melitopol, Kherson, and a lot of the other smaller uh, villages and distribution uh, networks. Uh, just kind of fast forward a little bit. There's a lot of just B-roll where they're just showing trucks going down the street. The MPs interspersed in there quite a yeah. bit. Yep, we got the the Ross Guard. Okay, so okay, so what you see here, see the little white armbands? They all have like a little. And so what this is is a pre-identified audience, right? These are people who have been vetted and aren't going to cause trouble. And I I heard on one of the Twitter Spaces from one of the people in Ukraine that um, or connected to Ukraine that these people are actually found outside of town and brought in, uh, you know, to be a kind of a, a you know, a crowd for, for this distribution effort. Um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, you know, you, we saw a lot of protests or, you know, in the first couple of days uh, by the people saying, you know, take your crap back home. We don't want your crap, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, what do you think about civilians getting caught in the middle of all this stuff and you get a week into this and, you know, you know they didn't have they don't have their food preps or they don't have, uh, you know, they're running low on diapers for the baby or things like this. I mean, what's the is there any kind of moral hazard in accepting this kind of, of you know, basic aid from essentially the the enemy? Oh, boy. If only I knew a guy who wrote an entire book where that was the premise that you don't want to rely on literally anyone else for your food safety, your ability to exist, your ability to survive. Um, and, and you know what? Yeah, it's good that they probably need it, but this, this like, you, you don't said, want to rely on it though. Right. Yeah. It goes to a lack of preparedness, right? You're responsible for you. And once they can have control over whether or not you eat, they can make you do anything. Yeah. So, Hearts and minds, man. Hearts and minds. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. But at, at the same time, I, I, I want, you know, I want everybody out there, you know, we went back to us talking about that food security and you don't want the government or private organization being responsible for, you know, how the food that gets on your table 
or, you know, the responsibility for feeding your family. That being said, you know, if circumstances, you know, they get burned out of their place and so their preps are gone or I, you know, if you're in, if you're in dire straits, ultimately you got to feed your family. And so, you know, this kind of gets back to what we were talking about the other day, Ron, about, you know, stay behind forces and you kind of, you bide your time, you, you play the system, you kind of go, you know, if, if, if interacting with the, uh, the local police affords you opportunities to see their security and see what they, what they're doing, um, you go in, you, you stand in line, you take the food and you go home and you give the kid food to your kids who, that need it. But then you've also got a head full of notes for, you know, if, if, if you ever wanted to take action down the line. Well, that and or these people, I mean, the pop, most of the people in the world, especially those living in the cities, are so psychologically conditioned to depending on something or someone else yeah. to provide for them. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can't help ourselves. We have to call 911. We, you know, we can't grow our own food because, well, we live in the city, but we're depending on the grocery stores. We're depending on truckers to deliver it you know we're right. depending on somebody else for our clean water for our sewer when that stuff breaks down society breaks down in the cities so these people are doing exactly what they've been conditioned to do and it's no different than when the u.s goes into say a large city like god let me think baghdad and uh, we start pulling out these big bags and sacks of rice and other staples and there's a beautiful little thing on there you know from a gift from the people of the United States of America and there's handshake and the, uh -huh. the big shield and USAID, whatever on it. So it's, I get, but I don't think these people are quite there yet doing intelligence gathering or, right, or, right. or trying to establish little small uh, cells or networks of resistance. They're like, Oh, thank God. Somebody's here to provide me food. Good. I can go back. Life is normal. Well, and, and, you know, that's the way it is. Um, you know, hopefully it's a lot of sheep, but hopefully there's a wolf or two kind of hidden in sheep's clothing somewhere in the pack, you know. Um, so real quick, let's 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 do this in the chat. Right. Um, so if you have more than 48 hours, 72 hours, if you, if you and your family will be will be OK for more than a week. Um, so your food preps are, are put a one in the chat. I'm not asking a let's I'm not talking about I'm just thinking a week if you couldn't get food um, for if you couldn't get food for a week, would you be in trouble or not? Uh, so just put a one in the chat if you're good to go beyond a week. But if you're but it, yeah, see a lot of a lot of ones. Uh, so if you're not, if you think like, listen, I would be in trouble. Put a two in the chat. I, I would just be kind of interested to see. You know, because I know for a fact, I mean, I, I think our audience is probably predisposed for preparation. Yeah, I would uh, say. Uh, but at the same. <laughs> and then and then while you're at it, it would be uh, yuck eating. <laughs> and then while you're at it, check to see if you've hit that like button or not and make sure you do that. Yeah, that's OK. So as soon as you've hit if you, if you hit a one in there, go ahead and now hit the like button. Uh, Jared has a good point. He says the Fed asking people how much food they have. <laughs> that's a good point let me, let, let me and where do you live young man <laughs> I, I think too though that that one of the dangers that 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 of course there's always up, one billy bob is a zero uh that comes up with, with people picking up this food is um 
as the insurgency develops, you do open yourself up to reprisals. So we saw this in World War II uh, with people in the Netherlands and, and people in other parts. Uh, we've even seen it in, uh, in in the former Yugoslav states in the Balkans where today, man, you took food from those dirty Serbs. Well, it's a shame. We're going to have to burn down your house now. Right. So um, there's good, you know, going to be a, you're a collaborator. You know, you're going right. to have that stink on you. But I, you know, I can remember being in Seer and not eating eating for you know however long it was. And one of the lessons they taught you was when your captor gives you food, fucking eat it. Yeah. Because you yeah. don't know when the next time when you're going to get it again. You're going to yeah. get it. So yeah. so if you want to continue to be able to resist, you know, there's there's certain things that you can't live without. So. You know, and when I went through, it was, uh, I remember it was 12 degrees, you know, in, in North Carolina, 12 degrees is pretty cold. Yeah. And you're yeah. wearing uh, uh, like a hospital gown, you know, those real thin yeah. things, you know, it's fucking cold. So when they say, do you want a blanket? You take the goddamn blanket. Yeah. You know, and that's it too, is, is battlefield resupply too. So if you are running a resistance operation and you've, uh, had one of these ambushes we keep seeing on an enemy force. You don't just run in and take the ammo, take the food too, take whatever yeah. you can. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's spot on Joe. I mean, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a complex deal and you can't just kind of yeah. uh, be thinking, you know, it, it's, it's, it's beans and bullets, not just bullets. Right. We might be writing um, the book we're writing right now. I mean, <laughs> at, at, at this point, uh, th these people, they don't know how long this is going to go on. They have no idea, you know. So they're like, "Well, I better take this while I can." Exactly. Uh, and, I mean, and Mike, just remember, you always, you, you, I can't quite salute the flag, sir. I, I need a little bit more food to get more strength. Mm. Yeah, that always worked for me until I got the shit kicked out of me. Stupid SRO. Yeah, I know. Those Republic of Pineland boys, they're rough. That's all right. The G-Force rescued me. Yay. You know, you know, the coldest night of my entire life was the eight degrees I spent in the ditch with just with a summer weight BDUs and a whoopee. And that's all I had, man. I was fucking freezing that night. Yeah, but you didn't feel much because you were passed out from a from a long night of drinking OB. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that was in Georgia. We didn't have OB in, in Georgia. I think the coldest I ever was, Scott, was I was in Ranger School in July, in 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 uh, in the desert, in the desert phase. Oh, desert phase, yeah, yeah. They don't have that anymore. You know, you think, oh, July, no big deal. But I mean, the you know, forty something degree differential between, uh, you freeze my ass off. So, oh yeah, I mean, the, here, man, have a whoopie. I'd say, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well hey, go go ahead. Yeah, go coldest I ever was was. Uh, <laughs> You know, we're, we've got all our snivel gear on, we've got all our Kevlar on, and we're, I don't know, 10,000 feet in the Hindu Kush. That's real cold. That's not like, that's not yeah. like, I feel cold. That's like, it, it is cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the my fingertips still to this day, when it gets below 20 degrees, they they tell me, ah, yeah, you want to go inside now. Time to go. Yeah, yeah. This is not. This is say, not for you. <laughs> I, I, I say all of you except for Ron need to go to Bridgeport in the winter. 
that's yes that, i will that's... tell you I went <laughs> during winter because we were, we were we were spooling up for norway right when it was back what's called nordic hammer and i thought i'm from michigan there is literally nothing california you're... has to offer that's going to bother me <laughs> you're wrong four days later <laughs> bed on the side of a mountain <laughs> begging uh, god to let me live what i don't know what, what's... When, I, when, when i was a boy scout we used to do the the klondike so i yeah. it's it's a thing yeah, yeah, we did the yeah, we did the you know the whole Iditarod thing too. It was kind of, kind of you know, I guess one of the all of us armchair warriors now, or or the people <laughs> even worse that are observing this whole thing from the sanctity and the safety of their homes through their internet connections. Uh -huh. uh, you know, th this is going to get rough. I mean, this this war thing. This is really actually really actually rough. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot, a lot of folks won't make that connection. You know, they they will still be able to wear their little blue and gold lapel pins on their nice suits, you know, with their fancy shoes in Washington. But uh, I mean, that to me, I, I, we've been watching this, unfortunately, for, for two weeks now. And, you know, I, I'm not convinced a lot of people are imbued with wisdom of, of understanding that th this is this is a whole different reality you know, you know that, that's funny because we we're talking about um me and others <clears throat> are arranging this class for preparedness minded people right and part of the class is you're going to be living outdoors for a week while we teach the class and just the ridiculous amount of people who are like whoa 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 what a week in a <laughs> Wait, tent really what about my cpap machine what about my phone what about Hey man, you 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 claim you're planning to prepare to resist whatever is coming, and you can't live in a tent for a week. Yeah, well, Americans are so silly. You know, but that's that's another thing too. I mean, you know, if you if you espouse the lifestyle that we, I think I think all everybody on this panel espouses, um, you are essentially saying that I am willing to live a life of privation rather than live on my knees. You know. Yeah, I mean, not not taking the, you know, the 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 candy apple of of our oppressor means that, you know, you're going to be out in the cold when other people are able to stay warm at night. So instead uh, of it's just Netflix, yeah, I'm going to yeah. take one small issue with the word privation. Um, I think a lot of people will quickly discover that a lot of the stuff that they they need to have they to survive, to live, to enjoy their quality of life they suddenly discover it's really not that important and they will discover rediscover those those joys of uh, living a more simple life uh where well, it's, you know, it, it's it's the relative privations of of you know that you know just because you know it's we always talk about first world problems right i mean like listen i mean most of the problems that we face in america i mean almost all of them are first world problems you know, and, and you can learn True. to live without the things that we think that we need every day. I was uh, going to say that that is one of the things that gives me the most hope as we're looking at this tsunami of bad economic news that's coming in is, boy, we have a really long way to fall before it actually gets very painful. Yeah. Like you'd, real you'd be painful. surprised. You'd be surprised how quickly uh, what, what's the terminal velocity of, of a body in, in, in free fall. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, um, it happens pretty damn quick. Um, well, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the it's the it's that stop. sudden stop at the end. Yeah, it's, I got it. Well, okay, so uh, let's. Uh, 
let's jump right in. So I want to kind of get around the map real quick. Just and, and instead of talking incidents, I'm just going to talk positions here. As you can see in the south, that the, the little snake tendrils are kind of going all around. Um, while they don't have what you would call a classic encirclement uh, here at uh, Mariupol, uh, it is effectively encircled because all of the roads and whatnot uh, are closed off. And so this still continues to be heavy fighting. We've seen some pictures um, from uh, from Twitter that show us, uh, you know, the defenders have been successful in both uh, destroying and also capturing uh, material from the uh, the Russians. Um, not sure, quite sure what the Russians are waiting for on this one. I think this is one of those kind of things. I think you got to just kind of be decisive in attack, Joe, like you were saying. Um, you know, I think this is just one of those kind of things where the Russians just got to you got to put the hammer down if they're if if unless unless they still are committed to the whole idea of not doing that much damage. And well, I mean, I could see them absolutely not wanting to damage the port facilities uh, and things like that. So um, well, I think, too, uh, some of the videos we'll look at later uh, go to the fact that they are trying to limit civilian casualties rather than just yeah. being indiscriminate. So. Indiscriminate. That's correct. And, and I just wanted to point out that, like, yes, this may be an, an opening. But if as we looked at the other day, this is all flat agricultural land. And these are all artillery units. So if you want to get in right. here, it's a run across flat agricultural land surrounded on all sides by artillery. Yeah. You might be able to get out on foot, but, uh, you know, that's about all I think that you'd be able to get out. And so this brings up the, uh, the topic of the corridors. The corridors are a thing. We'll talk a little more about them later. Um, but uh, evidently... Uh, consistently people are getting are still receiving fire on these corridors. And, you know, like like we saw with that video um, that came out yesterday of the uh, old uh, the old couple that pulled up on that BMP at that intersection. Um, you know, it only takes one or two H.E. rounds uh, from from uh, 30 millimeters, something like that. And and your day is done. Uh, so. You know, I think civilians have have real worry and real concern. Um, you know, you're running down the street and a mortar round hits in the street. And, and you know, we saw that that entire family wiped out. Um, you know, it's in that. I don't know if you guys saw, but they put it above the fold. It, that that picture of the dead family on the sidewalk uh, that got killed by that mortar round on the on the front page of The New York Times. So, I mean, they are definitely going for the heartstrings uh, in, in America. Um, all right, so moving around. So we, we see there, there's quite a, a good projection out of the Donbass, uh, you know, through the, but around the rest of the Donbass, it looks like the line of, of contact is still uh, intact. Um, not sure what that defense is looking like, if they're basically just sitting there uh, or if they pulled units off of that line. Um, we really haven't seen any kind of uh, uh, intel that that and probably we shouldn't. Right. I mean, if the Ukrainians are doing their job, we shouldn't see any intel about what's going on with that line. Um, and then if you see if you kind of go north of Donbass, you're really seeing those kind of those tentacles spreading out um, from the uh, projection there north of Donbass uh, pretty much in every direction. Um, that's kind of what we expected. Um, they're not going to control every square inch of ground in between all the high-speed avenues of approach. But when you control all the roads, you know, that's the important part, right? Um, they're not trying to seize every farm. They're just trying to 
uh, sees the key terrain and, and your farm ain't key terrain at this point. Um, moving up towards Kharkiv, continued uh, heavy uh, shelling there. We haven't really seen uh, an attempt at a uh, counterattack by the Russian or a, an attack by the Russians uh, from their initial lines. Uh, we talked about yesterday. This is this is the vicinity where that counterattack overran the, uh, the headquarters. Um, and that's where they killed that uh, uh, deputy commander of the uh, 41st Combined Arms Army. Um, so definitely there's been a lot of back and forth in that area, but, uh, I would expect to see here in the next, uh, next little bit, probably, uh, an attempted encircling Kharkiv and, and potentially, uh, cutting that city off. Um, I know there has been, uh, to the South and then to the West, there have been, uh, civilians able to leave on buses, uh, and things like that. So it's good that they're still able to get out of that town because they've really been through a lot, uh, at Kharkiv for, for the last week. Um, all right, so moving up, let's see. Um, yep, yeah, so this is Sunni, right? Right there? Sumi, yeah. Sumi, yeah, yeah, Sumi. Uh, Sumi continues to hold, but uh, I know there's a pretty heavy fighting there. Uh, Konotop seems to still be uh, surrounded. But then we get, this is kind of interesting up here. So we see the tendril action again, kind of finding the, the, the path of least resistance that will allow them the mobility they need in order to move towards Kyiv. Um, and so one of the things, one, I guess one of the recent developments has been, uh, if you see all that cluster of blue, that's what the, the kind of the lead forces kind of got in there. And apparently there was a, a MLRS uh, indirect fire, uh, let's see, Russian column on the way to uh, Brovari was destroyed near uh, Vela, Demurka. Uh, anyway, in those villages, security service of Ukraine asking citizens to report of Russian soldiers who fled uh, to the nearby area. So essentially what it looks like is there was a complex, uh, you know, area ambush uh, in that area using uh, indirect fires and probably some precision fires. I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the, uh, the drones were involved. Uh, either through spotting or actually targeting. Um, and, you know, that's that's what you got to keep doing. You know, as they get overextended, uh, you got to look for your opportunities for, you, for you know, for the Ukrainians to, uh, you know, take advantages of, of the things that they have, whether it's fires, whether it's observations, things like that. Um, and then we're seeing uh, continued fighting in and around the uh, northern and western suburbs of uh, Kiev, um, specifically Buka, uh, or what's Buka and Iprin? Iprin, that's that's Iprin's where we saw those uh, refugees coming out of, um, and that's where that's in the vicinity of. You know, you keep seeing all there's that bridge that's out, and and everybody's kind of going across the the blown bridge on that little foot bridge that they built across the uh, the waterway. Um, so there's been some pretty dramatic stuff with the refugees. And we're going to talk about the refugees later in the show. So, all right. Uh, we, once again, uh, we, we got sidetracked a little bit, but I think, um, I think it was all uh, worthwhile topics uh, and at, at least entertaining, right? I mean, you know, we got a lot of ones in the chat out if you guys want it. So uh, north of uh, Kiev, we've got an update with Chernobyl power plant. Uh, 
the line, the, so the, the, the high voltage line is currently disconnected due to damage caused by occupiers. As a result, Chernobyl Power Station and all its nuclear facilities in the exclusion zone are without electricity. So in the short term, I don't know that this is going to be a, a real problem, but this is definitely something in the long term that uh, uh, could be an issue. So, And in case anybody's curious as to why that's an issue, just real quick, they shut down the reactors, but they never decommissioned them. So they still all have their fuel rods in them, and they, they need power to recirculate coolant. The coolant, right. That's mm -hmm. right. I think though a lot of this is is um, the nuclear stuff draws attention and it's a way to 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 keep pulling on those heartstrings like we talked about. Oh yep. my gosh, they're going to create a nuclear disaster, even though every single time we've been proven that they really had it under control. I mean, all that it takes is for them to hook up a truck with a generator on it to the building and they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I would say the smart play from Russia would actually be to run a line from Belarus. Yeah. I'm just reading this the link. Was it Mike? Was that you that put that in the private chat? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. I mean, it's basically Moscow saying uh, the United States has declared economic war, you know, with these litany of, of, of sanctions and, 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 you know, the, the oil thing. Um, certainly not to be not expected um, from yeah. a propaganda point of view. But, um, and I think in private chats, a couple of different ones I've been in, uh, Javier um, or our, our Virginia gentleman, uh -huh. a lot of commentary about uh, globally how debt, you know, everything is being restructured as as we you're sitting here, you know, with the the de dollarization, you know, off of oil, you know, going to possibly going to the yuan or ruble there's a there's a shitload of shit going on um and, and, you know and now now you see moscow saying oh you guys have declared it you know some of that's propaganda but but at the same time it's uh, you know uh understandable that they would make that connection i guess yeah no i mean i, I so this is a good opportunity for me to mention now that talk about mentioning sanctions um i think uh so tomorrow there won't be a show tomorrow uh i will be on at the exact same time as we normally do the show here i'll be doing uh i'll be going on with uh uh andrew from legal mindset and we'll be doing an update show over there we focused on sanctions um I, i'm hoping i can get stan uh to you know the virginia gentleman to come on with me because that guy has forgotten more about sanctions and the effects of sanctions and and the dollars and cents of all that kind of stuff and then most of us have, have for you know that most of us know so uh so hopefully you guys will tune in over there um with uh, a legal mindset and then we'll be back on friday here uh with the normal time uh with uh with everybody else i i think we might have a guest too on friday so uh, once I know more about that, I'll announce it over there on, on the Twitters. Um, let's, yeah, let's look at that. Did you, did you play that? You didn't play that video all the way through yet, did you? Nope, didn't start. It was just waiting. Yeah, let's look at that. So this, so we're not exactly sure where this happened, uh, but this is just a great example of, of interactions. And then Joe, I think maybe uh, you had some thoughts about you know treatment of civilians that we're seeing and kind of a like a disconnect between the reality of 
interacting with a invading army versus the propaganda of it. Yeah. Um, so we'll just watch this video in its entirety. But first of all, we'll talk about their lack of uh, urban combat skills here. They don't do a very good job of clearing this area. And if I wanted to resist them, uh, as Watcher pointed out, I'd be right behind the door they never check. Um, <laughs> but but the point is, is that everyone wants to talk about how the Russians are just indiscriminately killing civilians. Here they had a perfect opportunity, even behind a gate, and didn't. So I think we have to be careful when we when we just believe things that are up there on either side, right? Because uh, we're hearing the same thing from the Russians that, oh, the, the Ukrainians are killing all the prisoners they take. And, and we, we see absolutely no evidence of that either. So um, there it is. I mean, this video disproves that whole point. Well, I, I tell you, I think, you know, nobody's saying it's not, there isn't some hazard in dealing with a armed occupier, you know, an invading army. I mean, these guys, you know, these Russians are, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. But, I mean, as you can see, like, we're getting ready to get a warning shot here. Which which gives grandma no pause whatsoever. She right. If anything, that that sets her off, right? And then you got another dude coming in here. Um, they're probably looking. I would my my expectation is they're looking for something specific, right? Yeah. And if they don't find it, then it's just a matter of the interaction. Um, and and you know, if you ever have to, whether it's a police looking for something or whether it's you know armed hostiles, I don't know that it's. It's really smart to get super emotional with them because, the, you know, those guys are under stress. But at the same time, um, you know, it, they, it's very easy. The easy button in a situation like this for, for those Russian uh, soldiers is just to say, fuck it. And then just get off both of them. Uh, and then the thing you would have done is shot the dog. Right. right. Yeah. The ATF would have taken that dog out in a heartbeat. I, I um, was just going to say that, that, that the dog's alive. What, you know, somebody what's going here on? Says, uh, they're looking for the BTR they lost. They probably heard this guy had a tractor and wanted to make That's sure right. there wasn't an MTLB sitting in the garage or something. <laughs> we are looking for tractors. <laughs> you are our true enemies. All right. Anyway, so I just thought this was a good, uh, you know, just kind of a, you know, a fairly pedestrian interaction between uh, the Russians uh, and some of the Ukrainian civilians. But it just kind of goes to show you know, what what these, you know, regular interactions are, are going to be like. And, and there's probably a lot more interactions like this than there are, uh, of, yeah. you know, like like the the couple who got smoked by that BMP2 yesterday. Um, you know, th that those are kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. But, uh, you know, you like know, I, I said, remind everyone as, as we're getting our our on our moral high horse about those types of incidents like the like the BMP incident. Um, we had our share of those two. Oh, in Iraq, more than a few, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just wonder if there is a Russian equivalent of JAG going to be running around trying to sort that out. Well, that's the difference, right? Usually, in our military, people were held account and investigations occurred every time there was a, a civilian, a CIVCAS incident, things like that. And more than more than one occasion, I saw you know guys got held accountable and it destroyed careers. Um, yeah. and, and, and in some cases, I know some guys went to jail, uh, but that being said, I doubt that's going to happen. There's no CivCast lawyers following the, uh, the Russians around, but, and there's, and there's no maneuver damage assessors going around writing checks 
um, you know, for uh, for that type of thing either. So and that's uh, it too. They they use their military police in a different fashion too. Like our military police will also be part of that holding people accountable for their mistakes. Right. Your military police is more of what we would call field police. It's just keeping civilians out of the way as much as they can. Right. They're not really for enforcing law on their own military personnel. They're more for enforcing the will of the occupiers on on the civilian population and route control and, and things like that. Yeah. All right. So let's let's jump into the uh, if you believe it or not, we're not even at the first topic yet uh, for the day. This, um, but this is the last update. <laughs> uh okay so uh what what do we got here poland's pm yes uh, oh the, you let's before we oh, you're jumping straight into the uh the migs oh you told me to put it uh at the end of updates oh is this the this is but this oh, i'm sorry i thought this this was mig stuff it is. It's it's MiG twenty nine stuff. It's them yeah, well, saying we, it has to be NATO. Yeah, we'll 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 cover this then on the because uh, MiGs. We got a whole topic on the MiG stuff. Uh, people in the chat, it may not look like it, but we do actually run a pro show. Scott has a really nice show prep document. We just don't always follow it. That's right. Some, sometimes you got to follow where the conversation goes. Let's start with uh, breaking. Uh, Ukraine offensive in Ukrainian offensive in January. I thought this was great. I it, this popped up in in my uh, my Twitter's uh, I don't know mid so what would have been mid, middle of the night for you guys. So I don't even know if you've seen this or not. Um, I thought I think this is just kind of mildly funny. Uh, I I am not saying it's true or it's not true. I have no freaking idea. And the but the way things have been going. You know, we, you know, me and Joe were telling people, you know, last week, man, there are those, the bio lab thing is all bullshit. There's some, some economic research or so there's some agricultural research centers. Um, but, you know, this is, this is all Russian prop, agiprop and, you know, uh, QAnon crap, you know, for the QAnon crowd, right? That's what we said. Well, I mean, Victoria Newland set us, set us straight today. Um, this is one of those kind of things that it comes out today and that we all, we say, ah, this is all bullshit. But then who knows what comes out next week that might prove this lie to be true. So uh, so I present it as information that is in the uh, in the cloud here and uh, take in, So 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 that so that you now know about it as well. Uh, so it's over impossible to overstate. This is uh, Chris Ehrlich. Uh, he's he's a pretty good uh follow on Twitter. He's, he's always got some interesting things. It's impossible to overstate how much press this story is getting in Russia. Yes, this, think of it this way. This story almost is designed entirely for Putin to get justification for within his domestic audience. Uh, this is the kind of news that in Russia presented correctly could turn people who are generally pro uh, Ukraine against Ukraine. Um, I'm hearing massive chatter from my contacts there about how Ukraine was planning a giant offensive to retake the Donbass and how the DNR and LNR would have been crushed. Uh, and then he's he's a retweeting a tweet from uh, Russia with attitude that Russian MOD claims that it's acquired documents belonging to the 4th Rapid Reaction Brigade of the National Guard of Ukraine dated 
January that supposedly proved they were planning an offensive against Donbass republics this month. So go go to the next tweet in his thread. Yeah, just scroll down. It should be right there. All right. Yeah, there we go. Uh, actually, you know, let, let me let me just open it. I'll, I'll read you. You show it and I'll read it from my own screen. That way uh, I don't have to read it through the screen. Um, all right. <clears throat> uh, this is the this is the front page of what Russia claims is the signed order for the planned offensive. At first glance, everything looks authentic, um, but it doesn't tell us much. The SVR FSB are easily capable of forging this. I will reserve judgment. Like, like I said, this is one of those kind of things that on the if you take it on its face, it's pretty damning. But you've got to remember, you're dealing with the FSB. Um, they're, they're the best at the world in this. I mean. I exactly. can document and stamp it and scribble on it, and you know it looks real. It, it, yeah, make it look as real as as anything. So, um, just to kind of, I, so I'm going to open the Russian with attitude tweet um, that is on the first tweet, and just kind of deep delve into that a little more. Uh, it says here, uh, looks authentic to me at first, but obviously can't verify. Uh, I'll work through the documents later to see what I can find. And of course, he's, he's got the scans of the documents. Um, I don't read any of that stuff. So, um, of course, from the po point of view of the, the Ukraine government, uh, they would have every right to conduct offensive operations in Donbass as they never recognized the republics. Would have been a further breach of the Minsk protocol, but that was never real anyway. If these documents are legit, they would confirm earlier Russian claims of a planned offensive against Donbass, which would explain both why the Ukrainians started shelling the region uh, so heavily in the weeks leading up to the war and why Russia was in a rush to recognize them. Um, and then let's see, he goes on. Uh, while this is true, the Ukrainian, uh, uh, while this is true, the Ukrainian artillery fire reached an intensity not seen since 2015 in February. Um, and then the OS, OSCE reports confirm this. So it's not, you know, nobody's making up the fact that uh, that the artillery increased uh, along the lines. Joe, I, I mean, I remember we were doing those shows the week before. You know, we saw that and we were like, you know, that was one of our indicators that we thought something was up. Yeah, I wanted to point out that that uh, in, in reviewing the OSCE reports, there were just as many Ukrainian violations as there were LPR DNR violations. And um, so there's yeah, plenty that, of that, people around. Yeah, I mean, you, you, the tankies on one side said, look at what the Ukrainians are doing. But then on the other side, you know, the Ukrainians had, for every shot they were shooting, it seemed like there was an LNR DNR round coming right back at them. So yeah. it was pretty given, give and take. Um, one thing right, I want to add on these documents, you know, somebody's yeah. saying, well, I've got scans and I'm going to figure out if this is real. They, they can't do anything realistically with that. You have to have the original document, you know, do a yeah. forensic evaluation of the paper, the ink, handwriting analysis. It's a slew of, of different sciences involved in in uh, authenticating a document like this. I mean, we we have people. I mean, hell, you guys might even know them that that have like specialized in the, in creating this kind of stuff for mm -hmm. years. I mean, whether it's Ron's like. <laughs> You know what? But and, you know, I mean, it, I think the I would imagine the United States probably could reproduce a passport from any country in the world as well, too. I mean, so it's, I mean, there, there are plenty. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the electronic stuff that's that's 
yeah, the long pole well, on the 10th these days. Well, yeah, hey, was, it, 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 and that's all on us, right? We're the ones that introduced that. I was going to say, famously, uh, during during the Cold War, our agents had really, really good passports, but they caught us because the staples that we used were stainless steel, whereas the, sta the staples that were used in the Soviet Union were made out of nickel and would rust. Well, that's, that's ironic. They weren't agents. They were officers. Yes. Agents are what the officers recruit. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> and and um, who, uh, what military operates on written orders anymore, right? I mean, you might write them. They'll be in a document, but they're not necessarily going to be printed and then signed and passed mm -hmm. around. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is the problem with, you know, all these instant military intelligence experts and and open source things is, you know, you get a single thread here and, and it just takes on a life of its own. And it it and because There's it gets no so many and because it gets so many clicks and so many retweets or whatever, <clears throat> it becomes it becomes valid. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, and it, and it, it just further muddies the water. You know, you really don't know the truth. I mean, in addition to what Romeo was saying about um, all the different validation uh, um, procedures you, you need to go to, if you could get in this copy in, in your physical hands <clears throat> is, uh, you know, I never, you know, you want to get a second and a third and possibly even a fourth source from different, different aspects to confirm or deny or to clarify I, it's just, you know, that's that's the problem with with open source. Sometimes is is you um, you have confirmation biases and you you look mm -hmm. at things through a soda straw, and the people are the opposition or or the or the you know whoever you know the Ukrainians the Russians whatever are they're going to feed that to further muddy the waters. <clears throat> I mean, can I bring up uh, uh, Joe's favorite subject, the agricultural research stations? <laughs> I mean, that seems to suddenly take it. I'm sorry, Joe. I mean, yeah. yesterday that suddenly took a, on a whole new life of its own where, um, you know, we all thought it was a bunch of Russian, you know, BS to uh, further justify their uh, their invasion of Ukraine. But then here's here's Victoria Newland, one of the brightest bulbs in the in the Department of State. And yes, I expect lots of negative chatter on that. I'm and I'm joking, people. God um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, she starts talking about we're very worried about, you know, the Russians seizing these uh, these bio uh, research stations or what are in bio warfare. And of course, if there's any biological warfare, it would um, it's definitely the Russians fault. We've already confirmed a, a future event that it will be the Russians. Uh -huh. So I, I mean, mean, but you can well, you can you can extrapolate the, the general idea of the social media, taking it, making something out of some, you know, no fly zones. You, you can apply this concept to I don't know how many things. And it's fucking dangerous is what it is. No, you're spot yeah. on. I'll tell hey, you, um, Safety Doc in the chat there, he's got a book coming out uh, called The Velocity of Information. And in that book, I talk about the phenomenon Ron just discussed is people see an open source thing like this. Right. And it's one person reporting it. But I see Clint reported it. And then I see Romeo talking about it. And then I might see Watcher talking about it. And I tell everyone I've got three different sources. No, yes. you have one source. You have one source. You have three people talking about the same source. Which is the same thing journalists do. I was just going to say, they, they call that cytogenesis when it's, it's yeah. circular it's reporting. And in, in, yeah. in in, Mike and I would call it circular reporting. Yeah. That's exactly well, you know, so so this is this is a really good opportunity to go ahead and let's let's go straight to the bio labs topic.
And let's yeah, let's that. get this over with. Yeah, let's <laughs> sorry, Joe. Oh. No, but here's the thing: um, so, nothing she said was false, but it also doesn't mean that they were making uh, anthrax and uh, and 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 right. I mean, they're they're researching foodborne illnesses and things like that. Yeah, there could be bad stuff in there, but it's not. Everyone is immediately tying it to COVID and Wuhan, and right. it's just not the case. But we've okay. been so conditioned to believe yeah. that now. Yeah. Okay, so real, real well, quick. They, I, they I, didn't I, I, help themselves by denying it. Correct. correct. Well, I, So I want to set this up real, real quick. So um, get put it the put it the video on to the beginning cuz no. i want your guys your, i got i want your guys take on this so so just to set this up essentially uh senator rubio is uh, questioning her about these uh bi the bio labs you know from the standpoint of looking at somebody like a, a witness or an interrogation or something like this look at her her the physical reaction on her face right cuz i think there's something there's something up here and I think the Rubio is surprised by her response and that goes into what he immediately does after she kind of gets diary of the mouth here. But so I want to point out, this is an interaction between Marco Rubio and Victoria Newland. Right. Come on. <laughs> now, just remember because, it, oh, real quick, because of Rubio's position, he should be read in on if, if there's anything going on, he should be already read in on it. So he's, you know, he's digging around in, in ground. He, sh he should he he thinks he knows where everything's buried. Um, so, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which. In fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or uh, or attack in Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian Set up. <laughs> uh, technique to all right, go ahead, go ahead. other yeah, go ahead and pause it there. So, so I think the video set up right there. I I, th I think the uh, I think the uh, video locked up, so we couldn't you know we couldn't see it. Uh, but essentially, and I you guys have all seen this video already, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she is kind of surprised. You know, but she has a kind of a look like she has. You know, there is something going on. Uh, and she's not in full control of her kind of her poker face, if you will. She doesn't uh, have a poker face. Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to be as as kind as possible. But it, but it did feel know, like North... a, why would you ask that? <laughs> well, I'm going to point out first of all that Victoria Newland is looking even more bold and beautiful and brave than she ever has before. Uh, stress must be putting a little more to her, but. Um, it just sounds to me so much like a setup for a false flag that is clearly coming down the road. 
Yeah. Well, especially knowing so, the two people involved here. I mean, but the but the way he asked that question, it's almost like he's like, "Oh shit, I got to play cleanup here and give her a way out of this answer." That's Did exactly what I felt a, like. What's it called? Uh, leading the witness. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> He, he wasn't expecting that answer. She seemed to be like a, why in the hell would you ask that in public sort of thing? Um, and then he but that didn't stop her from talking, though. Yeah, then, then you say, well, we can discuss that in, in the closed session. <clears throat> but then my follow-up question would have been, so exactly how are, we, how are we working with the Ukrainian officials since we've closed the embassy and we've evacuated all U.S. officials from Ukraine? Are you dealing with Ukrainians... You know, in Europe, uh, you know, here in the U.S., I mean, what what's the deal? I mean, this would be a, probably a, a closed door session question, but you know, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions. Just saying well, that we're working with them, it they're doesn't doing make it any... by, They're doing it via Zoom, <clears throat> Zoom meetings. Oh, yeah, those are those are secure. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, going on, Glenn uh, Glenn Greenwald goes on. Um, a really good cleanup by Rubio interrupting Newland's bizarre uh, confession, uh, which he did uh, did not expect, and immediately directing her to say that if there's any biological attack, it must be Russia. Why is this? Uh, why is this so? <laughs> why is she so concerned that Russia would seize a benign biological research facility? Unless it's not benign, of course. I mean, that's the un, unspoken part of that question. Um, it's one. Let's see. And then uh, it's one of one of those odd yet uh, revealing facts of Washington that under both Obama and now Biden, uh, the person who uh, the person in charge of Ukraine policy is uh, at the State Department is a hardcore neocon from the royal <laughs> what is it royal neocon Kagan family. Uh, beloved by both parties. Yeah, I don't get this whole, you know, embrace of the neocon. I mean, it makes sense maybe that the Democrats kind of went a little on the neocon side with because we saw that with Obama. Uh, but, uh, you know, why continue to embrace these people? I mean, well, I, I think what we need to we need to get away from is is the you know like these are Democrats, these are Republicans in Washington. It's the, the Uniparty. Yeah, yeah, it's the Uniparty. Yeah. I don't and, call it the Mono Party because then everybody thinks they got mononucleosis. But um, yeah, and and the Kagans. I mean, oh my God, they um, they're always frittering around the edges and and they 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 poke their noses under the tent and they uh, they'll drop some very <clears throat> important academic papers about this and that and and further stirs the pot and it's they're uh, they're disgusting they're not as smart and, as they think they are and in my opinion why you have the democratic embrace of the neocons is because they used to be the uniparty and they they used to allow the the ratcheting effect of li liberals go too far conservatives take over and don't do anything about that just hold status quo until the liberals can take over again and go too far um since that is now stopping somewhat they're trying to consolidate yeah. Again, there's there's no liberal, there's no conservative in Washington. It's they're all part of the same group, monolithic group. They they just put on different shades of lipstick. To oh, uh, for sure, it's it's all the WWE, but you still have those fake factions inside the WWE. You've got uh, generate Gen X and 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 all those fun little things. I can see where you spend your off time watching. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, a. Uh, 
there's a tweet I just shared with you guys um, from the U.S. Embassy, Kiev, regarding the biological threat reduction program and the programs uh, that were in progress with the Ukrainians. Uh, and that list, they were doing uh, risk assessment of selected avian, avian EDPs, uh, prevalence of Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever viruses, hentaviruses in Ukraine, uh, spread of African swine fever virus, um, and so forth. So they did have some things going on. I mean, I think what we're seeing is the basically we said, man, we don't want to deal with this stuff here in the States. We, let's find countries like China and Ukraine and places like that where we can, you know, work, you know, out of, you know, out of sight, out of mind type type thing. And he, I don't know if it's so much, um, uh, you know, evil plotting as is just kind of, you know, their sloppy, uh, you know, offshoring of dangerous uh, biochem work has has now started to catch up with them. You'd think that if this was a thing that they would have like, oh crap, the, the Russia might invade. We better we better clean these places out. But instead, they're you know, <laughs> I don't know. Are there hey, any let's in go. Taiwan? <laughs> Good question. That's beautiful. That's perfect. That's well timed. That's a uh, Danielle definitely gets comment Ooh. of the day for that one. Um, uh, all right, so let's Spicy. let's move. Let I, I tell you what, let's let's go down the list from top to bottom in the big events because I'm I'm worried that if we go back uh, into the uh, the SIGAX, then we'll then we'll uh, um, we'll, we'll lose our our, our way. Um, yeah, so we're gonna. Oh, yeah. So let's put the Wagner Group on the back burner here for a second, and we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll come back to it at the end. So, um, so essentially, uh, some of this economic news I want to focus on. Um, uh, I, I just opened the first link in the. Yeah, yeah. It's the. Yeah, there you go. That one. So uh, I, I, I've got this. Uh, I think I've got it open here. All right. I just um, okay. So Russia proposes nationalizing foreign-owned factories that shut operations. So, for instance, you know, you had the Fords of the world who decided, oh no, we can't do business in uh, Russia anymore because that's too risky for us. Um, so we're going to have to shut our factory down because they did have a factory, uh, car factory over there, um, and so. You know, okay. Well, that you know, uh, several foreign companies. So let me read from this Reuters article just real quick, and then we can talk about it. Several foreign companies, including Ford and Nike, have announced temporary shutdowns of stores and factories in Russia in order to put pressure on the Kremlin to stop invasion of neighboring Ukraine as as their supply chains are dis, uh, disrupted. Now, keep in mind, this is these are these closures are not because of sanctions. These closures are because of corporate activism you know uh this is that kind of that we were talking about the the uh the modern left in america you know their one their one weapon is cancel culture right and what we're seeing is the kind of corporate utilization of that cancel culture uh, yeah i'm 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 hyper curious to see if somebody like blackrock had updated their environmental justice score guidelines to say if you bash russia in x way you get x number of new social credit points. points yeah exactly 
Um, in a statement published on Monday evening by the United Russia website, the secretary of the ruling party's general counsel uh, said shutting operations was war against the citizens of Russia. Uh, and this goes back to that economic war, uh, you know, that we saw in that earlier story that Mike shared with us. Um, the statement mentioned Finnish privately owned food companies, uh, Phaser, Valio and Pulig uh, as latest to announce closures in Russia. Uh, United Russia proposes nationalizing production plants of the companies that announced their exit and the closure of production in Russia during the special operation uh, in Ukraine. This is an extreme measure, but we will not tolerate uh, being stabbed in the back and we will protect our citizens. This is a real war, not against Russia as a whole, but against our citizens. And, and, and this is correct. Right. And this is the reason why we talked about this yesterday. Um, Putin will gain in popularity because he will he will su be successful in showing um, the citizens of Russia that this isn't just this isn't because of what we did. This is, you know, you know, nobody forced these companies to stop selling you Nike shoes or to turn turn off Apple Pay or to turn off Google Pay or all that kind of stuff. This is them, you know, not not trying to hurt me through sanctions, but trying to hurt you. Because, you know, you're part of Russia and this is and that kind of collectivization of the Russian people it's us versus the world type of thing is going to be very crystallizing, I think, uh, in the public psyche as far as, uh, you know, to, to push them behind uh, support to Putin. And I think it's going to have a ripple effect. I think there's a lot of other countries that are feeling the yoke of, of various different world leaders that are trying to force them to act in ways that are contrary to their national interests that have swallowed it for a long time that are going to see Russia do this and it's going to cause people to find ways to get around that system. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're spot on. Um, so anyway, I wanted to this is definitely some economic fallout that we're seeing. This is not sanctions, this, you know. I, you know, we're going to be talking tomorrow on Andrew's channel about sanctions specifically, but this is like freelance sanctions is what this is, right? This is, you know, this is the, you know, if if Ron does something to Joe and and the and he gets cited for it by the by the police and then he gets fined for it, that's like me saying, well, Ron, I didn't like what you did to Joe, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna sell anything. You know, you you come into my ice cream shop, I'm not gonna sell you any ice cream. You know, this is that kind of I mean, and you've already seen this happening in the U.S. You know, if people have the wrong political opinions, sorry, you can't bank with Bank America anymore. You know, you know, look what's happened to a lot of these January 6th people. You know, their charge is, you know, trespassing, a misdemeanor. Right. And they're getting kicked out of their banks. You know, they're losing, you know, they're they're losing their rights to social media, you know, access and all these kind of things that we just take for granted as as commercial transactions. So this is definitely going to uh, catch up with us and bite us in the, in the butt. Well, also um, on the companies like Shell, BP, Exxon Mobil pulling out of their operations. That's right. They still have those business entities. You have all their infrastructure for exploration and drilling. And it's a ripe opportunity for the Iranians <laughs> or the Chinese to move right in and pennies on a dollar, take over these operations and exploratory, uh, initiatives and, you know, increase their economies, make their economies stronger, give them access to cheaper resources and so forth.
The word we're looking for is boycott. Yeah. Is what, right. Is what's going on. This activism. So uh, Stan and our, uh, this actually is relevant to this topic. Uh, so Stan uh, put a, a message in our, our, our DMs here and I'll just read, I'll read a, a, a portion of this. Um, people with uh, experience in uh, China and other emerging markets are going to be presented with an opportunity to uh, essentially come back into Russia uh, and definitely, uh, you know, have new opportunities for new business uh, in Russia. So um, be very interesting to see, you know, Asian uh, companies. Uh, I think you'll see India. I think you'll see uh, Middle East. Um you know, so uh, I think there are uh, I think there are a lot of people that are waiting in the wings for these economic opportunities because, you know, uh, there will be companies who make their kind of fortune uh, uh, in this in the aftermath of, of, you know, picking up the crumbs, the infrastructure that's already paid for the you know, the employees that are already there that are just waiting for a new company. You know, they're just going to take off their Exxon Mobil or their Exxon, you know, shirt and put on a, you know, a, what is it? The Chinese state, uh, <laughs> you know, Sino, uh, Sino oil or whatever uh, uh, logo thing. So, I mean, because it doesn't matter to them, they're still doing the same thing. They're still going to the oil field. They're still doing their job. You know, uh, it's just a matter of just changing the logo and, and every once in a while some Chinese dudes show up instead of some American guys. So, uh, I mean, you know, so I think I think we're going to find very quickly it's it's it's, you know, business as usual. Just looking at the chat here, we see the globalist international trade order completely fall apart back into trading blocks. Yeah, I think I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Well, also, uh, there, there was a report this morning that um, the Europeans aren't totally on board yet with a lot of the. Uh, the uh, import export bans from Russia or to Russia because they they're still heavily dependent on uh, Russian raw materials and products for their economies. They, they don't quite have the, uh, you know, what's the first rule of tree climbing? Never, never let go of a branch until you have a hold of another branch. So, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're not quite ready to uh, give up on some of that stuff. So I think a lot of these companies are, are reacting poorly short-sighted and as you know a stock stockholders in these companies are going to go hey wait a minute your job is to make money not to uh you know do you know this unilateral boycotting of of something just because it's russia and if we're going to do that and i think joe brought this up a couple days ago is we China. didn't do this two years ago when all the chinese stuff i mean um oh. i don't and i don't see hang on for a minute watcher and i don't you know i remember when when President Trump initiated the traffic, the travel ban, oh my God, it was so racist, blah, blah, blah. But here we have obvious racism against Russian people or people with Russian surnames. And I mean, nobody's calling it out and everybody's like really happy with it. Uh, it's, it disturbs me on a lot of levels that we are, we don't see the hypocrisy of what we're doing or what our leaders are doing. Yeah, Russophobia is a is a real thing. I mean, I'm no big fan. I mean, I I I think Russia is a wonderful country. The people are wonderful. They have a a, a, a rich and colorful history. Um, but I mean, 
you know, I, you know, it's, but the same with the Chinese, they, you know, they're, um, I remember when I was in stationed in China in Beijing and, and Shanghai, the, uh, you know, going to places that were, you know, had been built by the Chinese before uh, Leif Erikson first bumped into uh, <laughs> North yeah. American continent. So, you, you know, it puts things into a bit of a historical perspective. But the uh, just the, the this whole, you know, anything Russia is bad is like, wow. Yeah. And it's spreading even further. We have a, a really good restaurant near Adams Morgan in D.C. called the Russia House, owned by an American and a Lithuanian. And they've been subjected to vandalism since this started. You have Alex Ovechkin, you know, our star hockey player in the Capitals. They had to add 24-7 security on him because him and his wife were getting death threats. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, and, uh, he's, he's also a, he's also been photographed with Putin. So therefore, you know, <laughs> right. you know, but that's, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a no connection type thing, but still, I mean, you know, you no, can't. I, but people, people are reacting emotionally. They're, they're, we're, they're being so easily manipulated by this that it's it's disturbing. I mean, well, we, we yeah. couldn't we couldn't react like this when we had you know evidence of uh, of the Chinese, um, you know, Ron's personal opinion, unleashing a, a bioweapon across the across the globe via well, all the, the all the Chinese uh, guest workers that they they sent out by the thousands across the globe. And, and indeed, we we fought against it. We we did the opposite thing. Right. Well, we had the virtue signal how wonderful we were. Gosh, we, we're yeah, not we, going to be racist. We don't even well, need to get that closer, that controversial. The The World Health Organization has been saying for over 10 years that China's performing forced organ harvesting, and they've presented hard evidence to that fact. If, if we want to talk about, like, Weaker concentration harm, camps, I mean, you know, I mean, there's all, all these things that everybody in the world says are, 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 are not, like, like, relatively evil, like, truly evil. Type things uh, and, and no, like at least has that has and not only have we not lifted a finger, we flat out have CEOs saying, "Yeah, that's not really uh, something. Uh, it's it, it's above my line or it's below my line." Yeah. Whatever the quote was, yeah, yeah. I, I, Charles K here in the chat here. This is an interesting part. China will definitely make preparations for the large, the greatest IP theft in recorded history if these corporations decided to do the same thing there. You know, essentially, uh, you know, if you know, they would essentially own lock, stock and barrel everything, you know, like so if there's a BMW plant there, they would essentially be they would just continue to make BMWs, you know, yeah. right on the same. Well, I, I think a lot of people need to understand that in foreign factories in China are, are they produce a product for whatever for Nike, we'll say. And but the factory is is owned by by China. It, Nike, Nike only owns. Um, you know, the, the results of the production. I mean, the Chinese already control a lot of that. And, well, it's like uh, Foxconn, right? Apple doesn't make those phones. Foxconn makes those phones and they make them for Apple as a service. Right. Exactly. You know? But I mean, yeah, the Chinese are doing some real Joseph Mengele level stuff. It And <laughs> it just blows my mind. And then, and then of course, I think a lot of people may have missed it, but the Department of Justice uh, closed down their um, their Chinese espionage office because it's racist. Yeah, we, we I can't... saw that. I saw that. That's, yeah, that, that was absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. So I, I want to transition here real quick. Um, you know, to the go to the next link in the uh, economics uh, category. I thought this is this is I this is irony upon irony. Um, 
Yeah. So the yeah the the Saudi Arabia one. Leaders of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates decline requests to speak to President Biden during the Ukraine crisis. Officials say they both took calls from Putin. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I don't, if you don't know whether or not you're uh, sucking hind tit, this should be a good indicator of it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of a clue. Yeah. Not <laughs> only will we not pump more pump more or more oil for you, we won't even take your call. Yeah, that's that's pretty disturbing. The uh, it communicates that we are perceived as weak. I mean, and that Russia now has more or greater inroads in the Middle East than it than it's had in since uh, God the seventy three war, the Yom Kippur War, when when we really effectively uh, knocked Russia out of out of the Middle East politics. It, I, I just you know, it, and we just take it. And we just we just absorb it, you know, and, and you know, and then we see uh, Saudi Arabia. There's been other reporting, not so much in social media, because there are other reporting channels besides social media, of uh, the Saudis um, improving, modernizing their uh, their ballistic missile force. Wait, what? They have ballistic missiles? Oh yeah, back in the uh, what was it, 80s? I think Joe, they bought a bunch of CSS threes or were they twos? I can't remember, but and. Uh, because they were uh, they were worried about Iran, and uh, that's why we did Elf One, the AWACS deployment to uh, to a Saudi, and and of course everything else that followed on with Desert Shield, Desert Storm. But you know the the, the we always uh, speculated that they were going to mount uh, Pakistani warheads on top of these things to become the uh, the Sunni nuclear power, and. Uh, so well, I, I mean, they, none of this they, surprises they, me. Everybody, every, it's pretty much an open secret that that Saudi Arabia paid for Pakistan's uh, weapons program. So, uh, you know, they pretty much have a, a direct line into that pipeline for yeah. for war hands if they need it. But, um, you know, one of the things that I think is was telling was a couple years back. I was on a I was uh, in Kuwait for a, a live fire exercise, and. Uh, the you know they do a lot of these kind of line them up and shoot them all at the same time type of deals you know like zero zero skill but maximum kind of you know bang and all that kind of stuff and uh i found it ironic that the kuwaiti mechanized infantry were uh, equipped with bmp3s like you know the most recent uh you know soviet you know they were the bmp3ms or whatever so like the the most modern version of the BMP3s. And so I thought that was very, very telling. I was like, huh, so yes, you know, definitely there is a, a Russia presence uh, in all of these countries, you know, uh, like they still have, they have some modernized T-72s and things like that. That's where I got to sit in a, in a T-72, which, you know, like I said, it was almost like, I, I felt like I was sitting in a, in a chair shaped coffin um, sitting in that thing. So uh, well, and, as, as as the arms salesmen say, uh, when they go to the Middle East, a uh, a fool and their money will soon be parted, and they will buy our product, whether it's French, Italian, Brit, U.S., Russian, Chinese. So I, I'm so Romeo sent the link in the uh, DMs, and uh, I'm behind a paywall on it, but it's a New York Times article. It says Venezuela releases imprisoned Americans after talks with the U.S. So you know Venezuela hasn't made a deal with us yet. Uh, but clearly, there there is progress being made. 
of some sort or another. So that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, Venezuela, actually, you know, if if I were Venezuela, I think I I would look at this as an opportunity. Can I could trade Russia for America? You know, and all I got to do is take off the kind of communist uh, skin suit I'm wearing and then just become one of these, you know, neo-corporatist type uh, <laughs> Central America, South American, you know, uh, you know, guy in a suit. And then we could make a lot of money with off of, uh, you know, all the U.S. investment here in Venezuela with sitting on the largest proven uh, you know, oil reserves in the entire world. Um, yeah, but that's just it. They're, they're, they're going to pretend they're going to take off that skin suit, but exactly. they're just going to, they're just going to take us for everything we can. Yeah. And oh, that's, that's a trap. On. That's a trap we'll fall into. It's just a very, very near term victory and take a victory lap. Yeah. And 10 um, years later, and 10 years later, it won't, we'll be, it right won't even be 10 years. It won't be 10 it, years. It right. You're, I know with this administration, it'll be within before the next election. But so yeah, anyway, we'll, that's we'll, a, we'll be the chump and we'll, we'll take the money and run or uh, right. Dea Dicha, she says I, they smell I, the money too. I, did, exactly I, right. I didn't want to get too uh, balls deep into the discussion on the economy stuff because we don't have Stan here tonight. Uh, but I thought these were some headlines that kind of skimmed the surface uh, that showed really where we're at. Uh, we're, we're, you know, <clears throat> You know, Ukraine is losing the war that they're engaged in. It, you know, it, it's they have done better. They have punched above their weight. But ultimately, this is a war of attrition and they're losing it. And on the on the economic side, we're losing the war, the same war. Uh, but we're not even punching above our weight. If anything, we're like, uh, you know, Mike Tyson getting beat up by a midget. Uh, well, we're not even punching back. We're 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 exactly. reacting to things. We're not we're not initiating any actions. Um, I mean, people will say, well, you know, we went to Venezuela, but we were reacting to other other stimuli. And I think the important thing to remember here in, in our chat and, and for all the folks listening and following is there's a lot of interconnected um, threads that are slowly starting to come together. And I don't want to sound like some weird conspiracy theorist, but the, the Russians are, are heavily involved, and I think the Chinese a little bit on the outside with uh, the negotiations with the Iranians on the whatever that JCOPA, whatever that, yeah. that the non-treaty treaty that's going to pretty much guarantee the Iranian nukes. And, you know, the Russians are holding us hostage to, uh, to, to use their good offices to negotiate with Iran or for Iran and with Iran and so that's why, you know, I mean, all these things are coming together. And, and I, I think that's why the Saudis aren't taking anybody's, call, you know, U.S. calls. And they're, they're saying, no, if, if you're going to let Iran become a nuclear power, you know, we're going to either ally with uh, Israel uh, to protect ourselves because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And uh, we're, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things going to happen here in the next six months that are going to shock the, the heck out of us. And I, I hope... I am wrong on everything and everybody just laughs at me going, ha ha, you were wrong, but it, you, I just can't help you, stop you know that what? feeling. I hate to say it, Ron, but I, I, I pray to God that, that I'm wrong about this stuff because if I'm right and it goes the way I think it's going to go, then it's kind of like this war, right? It's like leading up to this war. I was sure that Russia was going to attack, but every day I prayed that they wouldn't because I knew what that would mean for, you know, the, the poor old 
you know, clueless man and woman who pull up to a BMP in their car and, and, you know, because that's not just happening in that, in that situation, it's happening all over that country, right? Whether it's indirect fire, because it's the civilians that always get fucked when it's, when two armies come together, it's the civilians always taking the ass. And so, uh, you know, that's the thing that really kind of, uh, pisses me off and I hate being right about it, but at the same time, you know, it's like, it, and, and it, as bad as it is in Ukraine, if we're right about the, what, what could happen in the States, it's going to be way worse over here because, because when you have a pissed off populace with 400 million guns, uh, that, that's not, I, that's going to go high and right real quick. Watcher didn't put in the, it's going to get way worse meme for that. Come on. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I, I've, I've been searching for a different one, but like, yeah. <laughs> that was actually, that would have been the best one to put in at, at that moment. <laughs> um, I was waiting for it. Oh, well. Uh, let's see. What? Oh, uh, let's see if Stan just put something in our chat. Let's see what he put in there. An, another issue which nobody's talking about in the press is the uh, Turk, Turk Stream pipeline. Absolutely oh, yeah. no comments about turning that off to Turkey to uh, yep. then feeds the Balkans region, you know, Bosnia, Serbia, Hungary, um, all Romania, Moldova, all of those. And then eventually into southern uh, Germany. Um, there's been no absolutely no discussion about turning that off. And I was reading a couple of days ago how Turkey is um, it was like it will Turkey stab its NATO partners in the back because they're arranging deals with Russia on how to pay for trade and circumvent the economic sanctions and whether it's using hard currency gold or um, trading one uh, commodity for another. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Hey, uh, Romeo, I hate to tell you, but my second book, When Towers Fall, is all about is literally yeah is literally all about yeah turk stream yeah yeah Ro romeo the other day in the chat mentioned uh, uh turk stream we were just talking about it and i was like hey this reminds me of uh, mike's book he, he he talks about this right there in his book i mean the, the funny the irony i guess of the book is you know all the preparations that go into doing the cyber attack yada yada we're all uh around nord stream and you know of course now we all heard of nord stream um I've heard you know, of then, then there were things that happened in the book where, you know, Erdogan is doing some funky stuff and they decided to, hey, let's 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 open the portfolio a little bit and go after this one, too. So it's just, you know, no one's ever heard of Turk scene, probably. But, it's you know, it's about the same same ideas as as, as uh, Nord Stream. But well, we 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 talked about it yesterday where, you know, we've all been waiting for the mis the real Mr. Erdogan to please stand up. And uh, <laughs> and he did stand up yesterday and said, oh, maybe we could work something out, uh, you know, a, a gold trade or something with Russia. Yeah. You know, so. I, I think uh, Stan, you know, private chat, you know, over the evening. And then he asked me, he said, hey, Mike, when, when you, you know, when is uh, when is Erdogan, when's Turkey going to get involved in this JCPOA thing? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, he, he, I mean, this guy in particular, Erdogan, is is the optimal opportunist. Um, and we got to watch this son of a bitch. I mean, we're, well, we really do. We got to watch this guy. That combined with a weak enough 
economy to where he's looking for every opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he doesn't give a shit about, you know, the people bleeding in Ukraine. He cares about putting dollars uh, in his economy and putting dollars probably in his personal bank account. And expanding Turkish influence throughout the region. Yeah, he wants to recreate would... his version of the Ottoman Empire. Maybe not yeah, physically, big, but, big, but big through time. influence. Yeah, big time. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's ironic, ironic, I guess, you know, all these guys have great you know, the look on his face, illusions or whatever of grandeur. You know, they, they all see themselves as the next Russian czarist or the or, you know, whatever Xi sees himself as, um, you know, they're all looking at their uh, their legacy. Uh, but they're all in cahoots. They're going to eventually they're going to compete against each other and we'll see who gets on top. But uh, hey, hey, speaking of legacy, this is my transition to the next topic. So, what when you guys think of the F four Phantom, what's the legacy around that uh, around that airplane that you think of? Best looking airplane ever. Yeah, man, that was a sexy looking airplane. You know, it's pretty. You know, well, it's it's ugly and it's brutal, but it's also you know kind of sexy. It's not like an AK forty seven. It's you know. You know the, I, the wild weasel application from that was it wasn't that like the original wild that, weasel the, that was the original wild weasel uh yeah. you know and they they made this thing into a dog fighter in Vietnam and uh you know put a gun on it and uh and then so so fast forward right so F14 Tomcat what's the legacy of F14 Tomcat made a great movie Tom with Tom Cruise Top Gun right you know <laughs> I mean that's, it was also that's a, a hell of a plane that's yeah, another the, the, sexy, sexy plane. Phoenix missile system, weapon system was, God, was great. Reach out, and, right? Reach out and grab those backfires early and often. Well, it was like <laughs> it was like a hundred and forty mile uh, range or something like that. I mean, it was, was some, this it the was, last two seater fighter. No, not the last two. I mean, we've got the F fifteen E right now, and I think the uh, the you know like the the F eighteen. Oh, growler, yeah, the growler. Yeah, growler. Well, the interesting thing about the F four Phantom it was when it was originally designed, it was designed as a uh, as a long range interceptor for Russian bombers coming across the uh, right the, the pole. And then when they they got to Vietnam, they 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 had to put on gun pods on the initial ones until they were able to modify it. And uh, and also they they worked um, so the, they were actually part one half of the Wild Weasel team in Vietnam. I'm dating myself now. Is the F-105s and the and the F-4s would would work together to uh, to take out the SAM sites? Very very well, dangerous work. Well, I te- I tell you the uh, the just the stories of of uh, Colonel Oles in Vietnam. I mean, man, that guy was a that guy was an old school, you know fighter pilot right there right and and his tactics on operation bolo i mean yes i mean it was so obvious to anybody you know but he had to fight for it through uh through channels to initiate it and uh it he was proven right in the first mission i mean they they took out a whole lot of the north vietnamese mig force but if we're asking about legacy this this picture sums up what i think about the legacy right here oh i ran for the f-14 mm-hmm yeah so i ran yeah, Iran still. I was gonna say, Iran still feels the F-14 because we sold it to the Shah. Yet, you, you know, what they were doing, they were they were they were pulling a scam to to buy uh, parts from our boneyard to keep there. So, what do we do? What do we instead of making sure the security of the boneyard 
It was good enough. You know what we did? We chopped them all up. We destroyed all the F-14s that were left so that Iran couldn't get their hands on uh, on on parts for that. I mean, what a... I'm sorry. That just, that just makes me I, angry. I agree with you. Anyway, so the legacy of these great fighter chains. So what is going to be the legacy of the MiG-29? I mean, I'll be honest with you, 20 years from now, nobody's going to be thinking about what a what a great, uh, you know, twin engine, you know, maneuverability fighter it was. They're going to think the, about this stupid fight that is going on even to this day. So we saw this tweet yesterday. This is the fake news tweet from the from the polls saying you are spreading misinformation. Uh, Poland won't send its fighters to Ukraine as well as. The airport. What they should have said is, we won't send it to Ukraine, but we will give it to the United States. Uh, because 24 hours after this uh, tweet comes out, I mean, everybody apparently was kept, you know, was was. So the U.S. had given the green light here. Uh, this is this this is the same time frame. This is what this is what the polls were reacting to, right? The U.S. basically said they could do this. Go back, no, go back to what Blinken said. So this is yesterday. Uh, this is Blinken yesterday. Yeah, you get the green light to get him over there made a, because Zelensky made his plea and it's such a compelling argument and we're not worried about the, any of the implications. But then that's that's Blinken, right? Because Blinken, I, you know, Blinken ain't thinking, right? Well, he thinks that we're in charge and we're really not. Well, <clears throat> that's a dangerous statement that Kirby just made there. <clears throat> it is not a... A, a decision of the Polish government. That's a decision of the NATO alliance. Right. Well, and that, right. And that, and, that and, is what Poland clarified this morning. Okay. So are, are the MiG 29s, the NATO compliant MiG 29s, I guess there's two categories yeah. in the Polish. Are they really going to show up at the Ramstein tarmac for <laughs> further disposition to where? I mean, that's essentially what it sounds like, you know, so Poland, Poland, basically said that we are going to, we are, uh, we are author, we're essentially ready right now in short order to transfer all of our MiG-29s to the United States government for further disposition. And then so Kirby, of course, comes out and says, whoa, 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 you know, he's the DOD. Let's, let's read. Yeah, he's back at Bob of the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we are we are now in contact with the Polish government following the statement issued today. As we have said, the decision about whether to transfer Polish-owned planes to the United States government is ultimately one for the Polish government. Just like you said, Ron, that I don't think that's true. I think it's it's a that should be a NATO decision, uh, and all you know because essentially, if if one NATO country does that, it's going to reflect on all of us. We will continue to con uh, continue cons consulting with uh, our allies and partners about our ongoing security assistance to Ukraine. It's, this is just really small text on, on my screen here, uh, because in fact Poland's proposal shows. Uh, yeah, that's that works. Thanks. Uh, Poland's Poland's proposal shows some uh, just <laughs> just some of the complexities of the issue presents uh, the prospect of fighter jets at the disposal of the government of the United States of, the, of America departing from a U.S. NATO base in Germany to fly into airspace that's con 
uh, tested with yeah, Russia. Yeah, let's stop right there. They're perfectly yeah. okay with Poland doing it, but we don't want to do it. That's well, the problematic. Right? The interest. The interesting thing is, is that the State Department. You know, this is this goes back to the whole thing of the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Yeah. You know, the State Department says, yeah, yeah, we're we're good with them doing that. But the the DOD weighs back in. You know, yes, probably yesterday they were saying, wait a second, Blinken just said this. We need to. And then and then before they could probably respond and and say, hold the phone on this. Poland says, hey, no problem. We're going to give them over to the United States and then uh, they, they can give them to Ukraine. And then now Kirby is honestly left in the unenviable position now of having to uh, hold on to this hot potato and then also explain it away. Um, so anyway, it says it raises serious concerns for the entire NATO alliance. Now, so I think this so he, he, he kind of misspoke in the beginning. But I think he's on to something here. And so let's read this final statement, because this is kind of the the nut graph of the uh, of the entire statement. Uh, it's simply not clear to to us that there is a substantive rationale for it. We will continue to consult with Poland and our other ally, NATO allies about this issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents. Uh, but we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. And so not only do they basically say, well, we need to hold off and, and consult with our NATO partners, but they're basically saying this this is a harebrained scheme that Poland has come up with and we don't even think it can work is essentially what he's saying. Well, <clears throat> a couple couple of points here. I, one, I think Poland called Blinken's bluff on, right. on the green light thing. So it embarrasses him. The other thing it shows is between Blinken's statements and then and Kirby's tap dance at the podium there, which he, I think he, he the last part he got, he finally got right. He, he finally arrived at the epiphany of stupidity. Um, but it shows that there's, there's confusion and disarray and lack of coordination in the U.S. government uh, with the national security apparatus where, you know, usually we would have the national security uh, advisor, in this case, Jake, I never met a crisis I couldn't exploit, Sullivan, um, uh, uh, you know, he is he is absent. He is not coordinating a, a, a coordinated U.S. response between state, DOD and other uh, entities. It's like everybody's speaking themselves. And I, a lot of the, uh, the global audience isn't sophisticated enough to understand how silly and complicated the U.S. government operates in, in these kinds of crisis yeah. modes that. Uh, they're, they're, we're sending out mixed signals, which is not, not the way you want to project strength and unity of purpose type of thing. So it's, it's very, uh, very disturbing in that regard. Yeah, they, they still haven't stated uh, what, uh, under what title authority would, is this going to happen? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, that, I, I that, that, that comes back to, you know, who would be on the hook for it, right? Correct, you know? correct. I saw somebody on Twitter saying, you know, we ought to just shelve this whole plan, drop the issue, then let CIA do a covert action, take the thing apart, take the bigs apart, create them up, <laughs> truck them into Poland, and let them reassemble this somewhere. <laughs> and I read that, I laughed my butt off. Well, actually, I would have a more practical uh, thing. Uh, we uh, we accept the uh, we accept the jets at Ramstein. We uh, we we put them on a on returning C-17s back to the states, and they get dropped off at Nellis, where they can be used as uh, part of the uh, aggressor either at Nellis or up at Fallon. 
where we would sell them immediately to the private party, like Top Aces or or uh, Draken or one of those companies. Well, that I, has their I own. think it's important because they're they're flying Mirages and and uh, old Israeli Kafirs and some yeah. I think some F-16s some Gitas, uh, and some other yeah. airframes. But you know, if you're if you're a if you're a, a young hotshot F-18, F-16, 15, whatever F-35 pilot, you want to fly. You want to be able to say I went up against a MiG-29. Uh-huh. You know, not against, um, you know, some some shadow fighter type of thing that is mimicking that. But it's it's just a, a training thing. But uh, yeah, yeah I'll take them. Would steal one for us already, though. Oh, we we got a bunch of them. Jeez. Yeah, we've got a yeah 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 we. I, I think we got a movie it. reference. Come on, you guys. Come on. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. One thing I haven't heard though yeah, is in all the talk in, in Firefox the, uh, in the Twitter oh, Firefox, spaces. Yeah, yeah. And, and so forth. What is the actual need for these MiG 29s? I mean, I mean, the Ukrainians haven't lost that many of their their stock MiG 20 MiG 29s, so they they have an ample supply currently. Do they just need more in the rotation, or can they, they have a field more? Do they have pilots they, to put more in so, a rotation? I looked into this the other day because the question was there. And and as I had mentioned before in our private chats, as I looked into the, the number of air hours that each Ukrainian uh, uh, aviator gets, it's between 35 and 85, which is really low. Part of that reason is because they have a lot more pilots than they have jets. And I can't understand why that is, but they have almost a three to one ratio. And we also, we need to, we need to do something by God, you know, we need to do something, whether it makes sense or not. And, so, uh, well, it, it, it's just the, the dumb reasons. In, in the chat, we have something that we can all do, right? Have you contacted your Congress, uh, Congress critters, uh, Senocrats, uh, to make your opinion known? Um, I, you know, I, I think that she's onto something. You know, all of us should probably be contacting our uh, our lawmakers more often about some of these things that we feel so strongly about. You know, we'll sit there and rage at the at the internet about this stuff, but we won't pick up the damn phone and and just call our Congress people. And and f- from what I understand, it actually makes a difference in 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 how they look at issues. So, uh, okay, so uh, let's let's continue on. I think we have a couple more links uh, in the saga of the MiG twenty nine here. Um, Yeah, I, so there's some news, just kind of interesting seeing how the news is uh, framing this. Uh, you know, Pol- Poland just really got in, in front of its skis with this one, uh, looking at this, you know, zero hedge story about how, uh, you know, they said that they were going to, you know, make this transfer happen, uh, you know, immediately. Um, so I, I just... What do you guys think was the the calculus going on inside the Poles' head? I mean, I think that somebody important in the Polish, you know, influence network basically grabbed somebody and said, "Listen, we're, we're we look like a bunch of asses on this. We need to just go ahead and you know, if the Americans will give us F-16s down the line for these MiGs today, let's let's make that trade." Well, they already got F-16s, you know, and and they're getting F-35s right. too. Um, I. I I mean, I'm again. The polls are sending out mixed signals because let's remember a couple days ago, the Polish prime minister, president, one of the one of the senior dudes, put out like, "Yeah, we're not doing any of that stuff." 
And now all of a sudden they are. And again, I think they're just going, they, they called Blinken's bluff trying to say, yeah, well, here you go. We're sending all the jets to you. You figure out what you want to do with them. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, a game of hot potato on who's going to take the eventual Russian airstrike. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well, hey, bring up, and this kind of goes to a wider question. So bring up that. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Um, all right. So Ukraine defense aid update. U.S. still working the details of how to get the MiGs from Poland to Ukraine and backfill. Um, she's probably one of the ones that are thinking maybe we can just unscrew all the wings and sneak them into, you know, tractor trailers. Um, <laughs> U- Ukraine is also. <laughs> the second part makes me laugh. Yeah, Ukraine is also seeking S-300 missiles. Croatia, Bulgaria, Romania, Slovenia have them in inventory. They can give dis- uh, discussions in the works. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the fact that Bulgaria just said no more arms shipments through or to, through its country to, to well, Ukraine. Through its country, right? That's the, the operative term. They may, be ha- they may be happy to send things to let Poland take the take the risk on that but let's go down to her next tweet this is this is this gets in, interesting here because i think i think this is the mindset you know we talked about this yesterday about hey listen i think resupply of things like javelins makes sense because that's something small and it's not you know you know you can kind of you know, the nickel and dime on that but um S four hundreds is the dream scenario. Only Turkey has them, and Russia gave them to Turkey. Seems unlikely. Well, you think? You huh, think? No, no, nobody wants our anti-air systems for some well, reason. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll, <laughs> hey, I'll be honest with you. If if I were uh, Ukraine, I'd be like, well, maybe we can get the Patriots instead of the S four hundreds because those S four hundreds can't even shoot down our Wait, uh, our little drones. Where did we send the Patriots yesterday? Well, those those are our patriots going as a deployment uh, along the NATO border. Okay, all right. I guess somebody was getting them. Yeah. So, so that's that's a deployment of our troops. But I mean, who is Jackie? Who's who's this Jackie Heinrich lady? I mean, because let's see what I mean. I think she's a yeah White House correspondent. Yeah. Oh well, they're yeah. Okay. Awesome. Three Emmys. One pretty. Oh, and she hosts a podcast, so essentially she's a, she's about as well. She's less qualified than us. That's fine. so. Let's let's go back and see what other on, flights. Yeah. Let's let's see what other flights of fancy she's come up with. Overall, some the same ongoing discussion with all these topics we've heard the last few days. U.S. and allies wrestling with the question of whether providing this kind of lethal aid. I love the term lethal aid. When did it, why didn't we these types of weapons? You know, why can't we just say weapons? Uh, you know, aid is aid, weapons are weapons, right? Anyway, yeah. so uh, will somehow be seen, uh, somehow be seen as Russia as an escalation. I don't know how, but somehow it, it might be an escalation. Well, we got uh, to stop there because Vlad has flat out said yes, he views that as an escalation. That's it, it, exactly right. Despite <laughs> countries having already provided other types of lethal lethal aid, uh, and Russia even declaring sanctions are akin to an act of war. So if if he doesn't like the fact that you've turned off his McDonald's, you think what do you think he's going to think when you start sending a Turkish S four hundred that he gave to Turkey? Uh, over to Ukraine to shoot down Russian. I think he might think of that as an act of war. I mean, call me crazy. And Turkey, and that's probably one of the reasons why Turkey wouldn't consider that. As well as resolving the issues of how to backfill and not create vulnerabilities for the country that gives them to Ukraine. Well, that's a couple. 
separately, some members of Congress are beginning to advocate for it. Oh yeah, this is the this is what I really wanted to talk about here. This is what I this is the the. I mean, because this is, we could probably do a whole damn show just on what she's talking about right here. Separately, some members of Congress are beginning to advocate for a non-kinetic fly zone, uh, non-kinetic no-fly zone, something to the effect of using an EMP sonar or cyber to keep Russian jets on the ground so they can never take off. So let me do they, they know that you can't say Russian planes only? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, and oh, by the way, the, the, one of the things that made Russian planes actually uh, kind of more more difficult to target back in the 90s is they were actually EMP hardened because they still had like, you know, tubes and stuff like that in them versus, you know, integrated circuits in the 70s and the 80s. So I don't know if they've gone completely microchipped now. They probably have with all the modernization stuff. But. So here's a correspondent becoming an advocate, uh, a policy advocate or what uh, i mean she's not just reporting she's she's advocating for certain actions and that's well, i i you know i will i will devil's advocate for her just here in this because i think pretty blondes deserve it right um s some members of congress are beginning to advocate for so so clearly she's reporting that people are advocating she's not necessarily advocating for itself now that being said, yeah, but she doesn't give any names. I mean, I, you know, I, I can sit there and I can, and I can say four out of five dentists advocate for my toothpaste, but well, until I but, name my dentist, you know. But my my defense of her stops at this point. She doesn't say some advocate for for seeing not some hairbrained non kinetic. You know, if she put hairbrained <laughs> in there, right? Then I would say, okay, she's on the level. But she, I think it comes from not so much from you know her advocating for these things but just she's ignorant she doesn't know what this means I'm first of all still sonar, what I, what, yeah. are you guys aware of some sonar that that will i'm not aware of any kind of sonar, sonar. That, yeah yeah i mean is it, are we talking about a way a flock of bats coming down over you know the russian airfield at the uh, at gomel or something like that and it's going to knock out like blasts of sonar you know bird strikes COVID-infected we, we, sonar. We did make a bat bomb. I'm just going to leave that out there. Yeah, yeah. So, but Joe, what you haven't figured out is that that the uh, that DARPA has come up with an IFF for EMP. So, yes, right? we can target. <laughs> uh, and I'm still trying to figure out the word non-kinetic. It's like you, you realize that, you know. if That's actually not non-kinetic. <laughs> Yeah, a no-fly I mean, zone it, is either either you enforce it or you don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, outside of outside of some testing things that could produce uh, localized EMP effects and and things you see in some movies, the only thing I know that's going to cover enough Russia to to get all their jets uh, would Nukes be in space. A, a nuke in space, and which yeah. would also get Ukraine, yeah. by the way. Um, and, and, and part of Europe and China and well, actually, yeah, it probably would cover about an eighth of the of the of the globe. Right. It, well, depends, I mean, it depends on the altitude and where, but yeah, right. just, we've also got the variable yields, but still, bad idea. I, bad I, idea. I go, go bigger, go home. Come on now. But <laughs> anyway, so you you understand the just the 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 brazen stupidity of of these types of ideas. Well, this, I mean, okay, so I'll 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 um I'll accede to your um, to your devil's advocacy. So 
I mean, here it is again, Congress, some members of Congress. I mean, they're right in there with the, the, the Lindsey Graham, the, the, the Kinzinger's, the, the Marco Rubio, you know, smartest guys in the room syndrome. This is, uh, yeah. And we keep this no fly zone thing alive. I mean, haven't we pointed out how, how in dangerous this is? I mean, as yeah. soon as soon as as soon as a NATO jet crosses into Ukrainian airspace, hey, it all bets are off, people. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, Mallet says where's Sibley? He is the EMP expert. What I want to know is where's Sibley's sequel? That's what I want to know. Sibley's better be at a coffee shop writing some pages in a sequel. That's where he needs to be. The problem is oh. he's doing real work and he's not working on the work we want him to work on. Well, we're not paying him yet because he hasn't had the book to, to do it. Oh, but we, you know, it's like, take my money, you know. But the, the, the other thing is, is that I just want to point out that, uh, you know, everybody's focused towards Ukraine and towards Belarus and everything like that. We, we as far as the social media military experts out here, we're, they're, they're always forgetting about Kaliningrad. And I, th- I think between Joe and I, we could, we can sit yeah. there and, and, People, your toes will curl, and you will you will want to dig a deeper shelter because Kaliningrad is a big ass boulder in the back of uh, of NATO's rucksack because that thing is got it's some, but a fortress. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I mean it. You know, from there they can strike that all of northern Europe, and yeah. So let's let's not be so so quick to. Uh, get there because we don't have the right kind of forces in place we don't have the right kind of leadership of those forces in place and um and then speak but i want to get real quick on the no fly zone yesterday that letter came out signed by a bunch of i used to be an important person but now i'm retired and and i i belong to some no-name think tank but they signed a letter and two of the people that signed it were uh retired general officers one a phil breedlove retired Air Force four-star who uh-huh. used to be Supreme Allied Commander Europe, who um, if you put him in a flight suit, he would look a lot like his, uh, his Russian twin in the blue flight suit the other day, the, <laughs> you know, very, 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 you know, like, Hey general, you know, I mean, you might want to stop on the, don- you know, stop eating the donuts. And the other one was a retired three-star Ben Hodges, who was the uh, uh, former commander of us army Europe. And, I mean, what they were proposing, you know, I mean, coming from supposedly two serious military people, I don't give a crap about all the civilians that were on there because, you know, whatever. But two military people advocating for a no-fly zone was, I mean, I'm so glad they're retired because they, I could imagine them in the councils of government advocating for this. And, well, God, look at all the ribbons he's got. He must be smart about this stuff. So, yeah, let's do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, those guys, I don't, I, I get the feeling that generals become institutionalized and it's like, they, they literally lose their ability to think agilely and, you know, I don't know. Yep. Uh, never yep. trust. I mean, they go, they go to general's charm school. I mean, you, you, pe- people don't know, but generals, and when they get selected for their first star, they, uh, Right after they pin it on, or right shortly before they pin it on, they uh, they go to uh, a multi-week course run by the National Defense University, where they they learn all about group think and group strategy and and how to comport to the rest of the uh, the general officer corps. And 
that's where, you know, they get called for like, okay, you'll be a two-star. Oh, you might actually have three-star potential and the rarest of rare, you, you might be a four-star. It, but yeah, it's, it's, I, cause I, I had a brief one of the courses. Yeah. It's, it's a scary, scary thing because we don't see any really original strategic thought anymore coming out of the, uh, out of the senior U S military leadership. Everything is group think lockstep. Um, so I think it's on that note, I think it's time to transition. Um, you know, we we may be, you know, to the extent that this has almost become like a, a little part time job we've been doing here, providing commentary for the good folks. Uh, you know, I, we may be almost out of a job. Um, so Zelensky appears to float suggestions of a compromise, but U.S. officials fear Putin could double down. So. So what does this mean, right? Um, actually, why don't you open that foreign policy article right there? I think uh, it kind of outlines the most of it there. Um, so, you know, just just in a nutshell, just uh, it's kind of to give you the basics here. Um, you know, the demands that Putin has been making were uh, independence for the DNR and the LNR. Crimea is Russia, uh, Ukraine demilitarizes, and um, then they also write into their constitution that they will never join NATO or or, e, or the EU or any other bloc. Okay, so that, I mean, that's been kind of Putin's going in position from the when they first started doing talks. So it sounds like that softened a little bit when they didn't say anything about new, uh, demilitarization at at the last the last time Putin uh, kind of acceded some stuff. But what Zelensky essentially is is doing here is basically saying that there may be some opportunities for a compromise. You know, whether it's uh, on the status of the DNR or whether it's on uh, you know uh, NATO or you know kind of going away from uh you know nato uh but essentially he i think uh, based on this uh, i think it's the next tweet maybe that talks about it let me open this up uh yeah so russia has made it clear that the ukrainian membership in the eu would be a red line uh that's what drove the to the maidan the number of domestic policies uh, pursuing, um, there's no recent movement, uh, for Ukraine, uh, membership, membership on NATO. So I think NATO is off the table. As long as there's any kind of conflict that, uh, that Ukraine is, is embroiled in, you know, NATO is off the table, but, you know, EU, um, I think, I think it would actually be in Putin's interest to allow, uh, Ukraine into the EU, especially if they build some sort of, uh, like a, almost like a special economic, you know, relationship with with Ukraine. I mean, what do you guys? I mean, just kind of put your look into your crystal ball. What do you think this looks like? Uh, uh, what would be the best deal that that got? That you know, it's I, I'm not even going to get into speculation, crystal ball. Uh, you know, the, this is clear that this was coming in some form. From day one of, of of going across to L LD, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's just a, yeah, it's a big guess as to what this is going to look like when it's all done. Uh, you know, um, 
Putin hasn't been, quote, as successful as far as his timeline that everyone thinks is what it was supposed to be. Uh, and now we're getting negotiations that come out of his lack of uh, fast success. But this was inevitable, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to crystal ball or speculate at all as to what's going to look like. But clearly this is coming, um, has been for a while. And, and we're all just going to sit here and wait and watch and see what turns out. And, and hell, they're talking. I mean, that, hell, this this might take several months before they actual sign sign something. You know, this, it's not going to be done quickly. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I think I think Zelensky is just he's just he's just he's just playing to like see I I I, I want peace I I want to I want to negotiate and everything like. That. None of none of Putin's or Russia's um, demands uh, for for not for discontinuing this are new. They've they've always been well known to the Ukrainian governments and to the um, Western foreign policy establishment. But we continue to through hubris or arrogance or whatever is we continue to insist and and hold out the bright shiny object of EU membership or NATO membership things like and. That that is a red line for the Russians. I mean, they they, they got they got their panties in a wad with with the expansion into Romania and Bulgaria and a little and into the Baltics. Uh, so it's yeah, and um, and the recognition of a recognition of the two uh, seized territories and, and Crimea. Well, that's a fact of life. And Zelensky, you know, if. But I'm afraid if Zelensky recognizes these things and says, "Yeah, you know, we, you know, let's try to keep what we got," he'll be out of power in a heartbeat. I mean, it won't be somebody inside Putin's government overthrowing Putin. It'll be somebody inside the Ukrainian government overthrowing Zelensky, because you know he will not be patriotic enough to protect the uh, the greater Ukrainian sovereignty, which is getting whittled away by the day. Yeah, I, and I think I and the sad thing is, is I think that he that Zelensky is is essentially I think his one sticking point really will be uh, EU membership. I think because um, he knows that if he doesn't have that EU membership, then essentially paying for the reconstruction of Ukraine, unless it's hammered out as you know Russia agrees to you know take some of the costs on for reconstruction. You know, he's essentially looking at having to reconstruct, you know, just based on sufferance of of, you know, Western aid at that point. I mean, I'm sure he'll get it, but it's just one of those kind of things. If he get if he also gets EU membership, then he'll get all of that kind of EU money that would be, you know, on tap to to help with, you know, foreign direct investment, things like that. Yeah, but the Russians don't see much of a difference between NATO and EU. They they they're twin sides of the same coin I, in the Russian yeah, perspective. Yeah, especially from the Putin perspective, um, you know, that that's where I'm thinking that, you know, if there was some sort of special carve out so that, you know, that essentially linked Russia and Ukraine to the hip financially, uh, you know, maybe that could be worked out, you know. Well, and I don't think the Ukrainians want that either, because then they're now they're beholden to a, a Russian version of Belt and Road type thing i mean it, it any solution would require an imagination and some political will uh, especially on the ukrainians part to s get western support for whatever the ukrainians want to do or propose to do 
Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, basically, the Ukrainians telling the Western powers, "Hey, look, our country. Let us let us solve it. You know, and unless you know, because we don't want to threaten the West, and we we don't want to threaten Russia. We just want to, you know, be the uh, the buffer, the overing between the the two uh, the two competing blocks here." Except we just wrote them a check for I think eighteen billion dollars in the spending yeah. bill that passed. And yeah. here's the thing: the minute they cash that check, Russia is going to say the United States is funding the war uh, and is therefore a combatant. Fun times. Yeah. Remember, everyone, as as the wise man Robert Barnes always likes to say, funds are fungible. It says going <laughs> road, but doesn't mean it's going road. Well, I mean, yeah, we could talk about this more, but I think um, I think we've kind of said all we had to say about it. Um, the last thing I really want to, you know, we had a we had several other topics we didn't get to, but the last one I want to talk about is, you know, the is kind of the human uh, aspect of the, you know, of, of all this, and and that's the two million refugees that have been estimated to have, have left um, Ukraine since the beginning of this war. Um, that's a lot of people, guys. I mean, you know, that's that's not an insignificant number uh, percentage of their uh, uh, population, you know. Um, so uh, let's and, and, you know, being a refugee has its own uh, risks. You know, you've got uh, over a million people being housed in various places and uh, in Poland and some places that's you know, little more than a like a like what we would see in a hurricane shelter at a local high school, like you know a high school gym full of cots. You know, uh, you know, so that's you know it's something like that. But it's also like you hear about Airbnb is saying that they're gonna, you know, pay for Airbnb, you know, locations for people to stay in those locations, and you know you're you've got uh, you know people bringing families into their homes. You know, Polish families. You know, kind of you know, putting up uh, refugees in their homes. So there's there's a lot of, you know, for everybody who says Poland, you know, hated refugees and hated people. I mean, I think this is actually kind of flipping that script a little bit and showing the polls really when it when it comes down to it, when people really need help, they're there to help people. When people try to go across the world for an economic opportunity and to uh, culturally invade another country uh, with a bunch of military-aged males, Poland wasn't going to have that. Um, so I think this is very interesting um, to, just to kind of see how this is shaken out. Uh, and Poland's looking pretty good, I think, in this. Yeah, this has been a graphic you've seen in a lot of places just kind of showing. I mean, this is, this is an earlier version of it. Um, uh, it doesn't have the up-to-date numbers, but... Um, like I said, the, the most recent stuff I've seen is over two million uh, refugees. And so we've had uh, in the last of uh, the last 48 hours, we've had Russia talking about all these, you know, humanitarian corridors. It, evidently, the only humanitarian corridors that Russia is actually holding to, um, whether, you know, by, uh, you know, by intention or, or through carelessness, are the humanitarian corridors heading into Russia. Uh, to settle uh, Ukrainians in Russia. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I, if as a Ukrainian patriot, if I would be willing to go into my enemy's country to, you know, live on his sufferance. Um, 
I think one of the issues to look at when we're talking about these uh, these columns, first of all, is I talk about this all the time. Don't follow the established ones because then they know where to find you. Yeah. Um, second of all, is that Zelensky on the first day of the invasion declared that every military aged male was now a member of the Ukrainian military. So you have that problem from the Russian perspective. Uh, it doesn't make what they're doing right, but you have to understand that. Um, that Zelensky himself declared every male from 18 to 60, I think he said, uh, a combatant. Well, and then that that puts, you know, so if you're if you're a 20 year old male and you accept uh, settlement in Russia as part of as a refugee, then you come back to your country when this whole thing, and then they they're going to lock you up because you didn't Probably. stay and fight. And it, which I wouldn't surprise me. It would not. So, I mean, you know, definitely that's, uh, you know, a sticky wicket, uh, as our English friends would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so here's, this is that. Uh, I like how they take the black and white photos to make it look more tragic. The urban, well, you know, it's artsy. It's artsy fartsy. Yeah. But that's urban. That's that bridge that, that's been getting a lot of coverage. Um, that's the only problem when you blow the bridge. Then the, the then then it's harder to get your uh, your your refugees across. But but you know what's interesting is is so the wars in in the eastern part of Ukraine. I mean these refugees that are fleeing into Europe, they have to transit all through their country, Western Ukraine, to get there. And there's no there's nothing happening in Western Ukraine, and there's no effort to stay in their own country to settle there you know, establish camps, whatever. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm really confused again, because I think, I think it when it, I think it, when it comes to like, you know, women and children, they're kind of leaving it up to them. You kind of, you know, kind of do what you will. Uh, but, uh, and I'll be honest with you, if I were a ethnic Russian from Kharkiv and I got to leave surrounded by ethnic uh, Ukrainians and, and Poles and, and people like that, I might feel more comfortable heading on for an, uh, for a potential resettlement opportunity in Germany or something like that, you know? So, uh, who, who knows, uh, who knows what these people are thinking? And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Do you think they're saying, I don't even know if they're thinking straight. No, I, I, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of panic because, you know, they, they, but it's just, um, I mean, it's tragic on the, um, on the human level, but, and you know, there's, there's, we've seen some social media about, you know, Americans helping in in the different refugee camps throughout Eastern Europe, but I'm, I'm not, I'm going to just say I'm not sure that it's two million because that, I mean, we would have had major news reporting of just major waves of humanity coming across the the Western Ukrainian border, like the like the Mediterranean boat lift that we saw a couple of years well, ago. Well, the the irony is, is that. So I in my at my office during the day I'll have the uh, you know the news on and I'll have it muted because I can't stand to listen to it. Um, but you know almost I'd say forty percent of the stories they're doing about uh, Ukraine have something to do with refugees. Um, you know, so I mean there is clearly a, it's clearly happening. It's just you know a matter of I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've actually seen stories of a couple of chefs groups that I followed before all this started going down that volunteered to go over and be part of these camps on the, the, the border near Lviv with Poland uh, in order to feed these people. And they've been posting for weeks images of just thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming through their food lines. Doesn't mean that they're refugees per se, but... Gentlemen, speaking of food lines, I, I, I feel like I'm going to need to go to a food line. Uh, we're uh, we're approaching uh, two hour, two and a half hours, um, and and we didn't get to all of our topics today. I think we had a good chat. Um, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but uh, there's a lot of other things to talk about. Just real quick, I'll I'll just kind of read the topics we were also uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Maybe we'll 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 move those to maybe this weekend. So the Wagner Group has finally popped up, uh, you know, actual evidence of the Wagner Group. Um, and then on top of, you know, Russia's far right, uh, we've got Ukrainian far right problem that continues to be a bugaboo for the, uh, you know, kind of puts the lie to some of these. Uh, there's no Nazis in Ukraine. Uh, you know, there's a there are continuing. Uh, we've been talking about stay behind ops. Uh, but there's now stories coming out about insurgent training, things like that. And then um, two kind of weapon systems I wanted to focus on. Javelins have been getting a lot of uh, publicity. Um, so there's been some really there was a really cool javelin uh, video that came out. And then I just wanted to talk about just the effects that we were seeing with those javelins. Um, and then finally, the prevalence that Russia has used you know, throughout this week, pretty much, you know, the big story with Russia Hasn't been the maneuver they've been doing, but more the long range fire. So talking about the Iskander launches out of uh, uh, Belarus and Russia. Also, the caliber uh, you know, missile has been used. Uh, they hit a, uh, a big uh, airfield yesterday, uh, destroying a lot of the kind of infrastructure of the airfield, but leaving the runway intact may, makes me think that they want to use that runway for something. So those are just some of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about today. Um, and so uh, put a pen in those. Uh, and if you if any of those kind of uh, tickle your pickle, um, hit us up on uh, on <laughs> what what um, uh, hit us up uh, and let us know what topics that uh, that you want us to be covering. Uh, if you guys don't tell us about it, then we just pick them out on our own. So. Um, all right. Real quick, Joe, tell them about tactical wisdom. Well, first, I'm going to tell you that when you get age restricted, don't, you know, don't, don't complain about this video being age restricted after that. It um, won't be age restricted. Tactical Wisdom uh, is a great page where you can learn a little bit about um, how to be more prepared, um, how to get yourself ready for these kind of things. Um, I'll be doing uh, today another article on civilian lessons learned, such as stay off of the established humanitarian corridors because that's a target lane, right? Um, have your own way out and how to get through uh, areas um, a little more safely. So we're going to talk about that. And um, we've got three books available um, that help you learn to be a little bit more prepared um, and how to think about the things that most people in preparedness don't. I mean, everyone in preparedness wants to talk about storing a whole bunch of food and buying a whole bunch of guns and ammo. But I talk about learning how to grow food, learning how to um, produce food via hunting, fishing, things like that, and then how to protect what you have. Because once the world knows that you're the prepper in the neighborhood and you've got food, they're going to come knocking on your door and, the, and they're going to do it rather violently. So you have to learn how to defend that. 
OPSEC is very important if you're a president. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's what bothers me so much. They post a photo of their hidden wall of cans. I'm like, you just told <laughs> the entire world where you are. Where I did wall was. <laughs> Crazy. I, I just want to point out that if you buy them from his website instead of through Amazon, you get a signed copy. Watcher's and, better and, at selling stuff for me than I am. So. And, and and you you put a little more money in Joe's pocket. Um, yes. All right, Ron. Yeah, I'm Ron Moeller. You can find me at ronmoeller.com. It's my campaign website. I'm running for a state Senate seat here in western South Dakota, the, the Black Hills centered around Deadwood, South Dakota. I'm running because I'm not a politician and I'm a citizen just like y'all. And we have to take our country back one elective office at a time. If uh, if you feel you're uh, <clears throat> you want to help support that effort, uh, yeah, I found that yesterday. If you feel like you want to support that effort, um, I would appreciate contributions because the ugly secret about politics: um, yard signs, uh, flyers, uh, cost money, and the only people that profit from uh, from political campaigns are uh, print shops and newspapers and and other assorted media. Um, places so anyways uh, if you feel the urge and stop complaining stop raging at the internet get off your ass and go run for the school board go run for city government go go get involved help fix your country because nobody's going to come riding over the horizon with a white hat and save us we have to save ourselves hey ron do you have a paypal donation link it's it's on the uh, it's on the website at the bottom but you, you but you do support paypal uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's, I'm, I'm about ready to get a second, uh, electronic pay method called WinRed, which is, uh, the Republican oh, yeah. party version yeah. of, of PayPal. Yes. But, um, yeah, I, I support PayPal. I don't support PayPal. I, I use PayPal. Use and, PayPal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me too. So, so okay. Yeah. Uh, Romeo, I don't think you have anything to plug, but, uh, it was great having you here. I, you know, you had some, you had some like sniper shots coming in over the shoulder. It was, it was you know, very, uh, very cool. Yeah. I would just say to everyone, uh, 99% of this stuff on social media, all these OSINT experts having their spaces, it's a bunch of garbage. You cannot believe this is so much disinformation on both sides. Plus yeah. people doing circular reporting of bad information. You kind of got to search through it all sift to get that 1% golden nugget that might be true. And, uh, that's just the way it is on social media. And they all, all these so-called new SOSIN experts, they think that that is the only thing going on. They don't understand that there's so much behind the scenes and classified channels yeah. that's being collected. People are doing analysis, are connecting the dots, so to speak, that being out of the business, as Ron can tell you, once you're out, you're out. And I would love to have my SIGIN access back and my uh, geospatial uh, folks analysis going because um, you can get the real picture of what's going on. I'm, I remember, and Ron could testify to this, I think, you come home from work and whatever the hot topic of the day is and you watch the evening news and it's complete BS. It is nothing factual. And you just want to throw something at the TV set. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I've I, I've I've seen that a, a number of occasions um, with uh, you know dealing with uh, we got two Mike Bennett's. Ah, um, well, that's I, always I, better. I, yeah, I, I've I seen I, I've seen especially dealing with the uh, Korea issues. I've seen that um, a, a 
on a number of occasions. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally feel you there. And, and I just want to keep an eye for, out the next couple of days, a few, three, four days, whatever. Um, you know, Russia just positioned some other additional AWACS assets into Belarus. Ooh. And uh, they wouldn't, I think they put three additional birds down there. They wouldn't be doing that unless they had something, some game plan schemed up that they're going to initiate. Um, they have not yet utilized their heavy art, uh, artillery, like their 203 self-propelled yeah. artillery, their um, heavier, uh, the father of all bombs that they've used in Syria against mm-hmm. ISIS targets. Um, what are some of, they have, uh, what are it, the two um, 40 millimeter rockets? They haven't utilized yeah. those yet. The and Smurf. when they do, when they do, man, you're going to see places fall like crazy. And I just want to say, Romeo might not have anything to plug, but I'm going to plug Romeo. His account is criminally underfollowed. He's a member of our OSIND gathering group. He's always sharing some good stuff. And as I said, criminally, criminally underfollowed. I have dropped his profile in the chat. So give that a follow, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely give Romeo a follow. He's, uh, he's, he's always throwing in some like just really kind of stuff that I wouldn't even think of, but it's almost always spot on. So we, we appreciate you, Romeo. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wondering what your book would be like, you know, that, you, that you're going to write someday. People have said <laughs> I should, but I don't want to have to go through that whole publication review stuff. <laughs> just, 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 just send the, just send the review board, a, a, a large, uh, a large sheet of paper with lots of, uh, blacked out squares and say, please approve my book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think you, you've got some interesting stories. We talked offline, and uh, definitely some stuff that uh, would translate to fiction, fiction, fictional, uh, you know, very, very well. And, and also, uh, you know, Mike, I think, um, you know, reading your books, I think uh, uh, Romeo would be a good guy for you to, to, to chat with. Um, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got some some because uh, you know you you guys really kind of think uh, very similar ways and uh, and definitely probably have some similar uh, some similar stomping grounds in your in your shared background. So, um, speaking of Mike, uh, we got the Warlock uh, series. Uh, go ahead and tell him about it, Mike. Yeah, I'll make it real quick. You know, it's five books. Um, the space is. Basically, you know, I I submit that we that we the United States have have four mortal enemies, economic enemies: uh, China, Russia, Iran, Turkey. Uh, after you get past that first book, which has some foundational stuff in it, um, each of the subsequent books kind of deals with knocking down one of those targets, you know, after another. Um, and I I go back to what something. Uh, Ron said earlier, just in general discussion, is that we are reacting. We are not initiating. Uh, we, the United States, uh, these books are 180 degrees out of phase with that. Uh, we are initiating. We we're we're setting the tone. Uh, you know, so we go on the uh, the offensive. I I think a couple folks uh, that have been on the the comments in the chat uh, have been turned on, if you will, uh, by watching the. Uh, the show uh, and have picked up the books. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, you know, and I'm getting feedback already from them saying, Hey, I really like this. I really like that. 
Um, so I guess generally this topic, you know, this general geostrategic topic, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, that's that that's something I talk a great deal. So I think you would enjoy the books also. Um, yes, they're fiction. Yes, they're still kind of fun. Uh, you probably will learn a lot about clandestine operations, that sort of thing. Um, uh, but uh, the only place you can get them, I guess, is here at Amazon. Uh, the link, uh, I think he posts it eventually somewhere, or you you know you track me down through the uh, Colonel Mike Bennett, um, you know, on Twitter. Uh, you, I think uh, Watcher said it earlier. You, you you can contact me DM. If you want to just buy them direct rather than go through Bezos, um, I, I do sell them direct. Um, for those that uh, that uh, buy all five, I, I give you a super duper high speed Special Forces cigar. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, that that is kind of my background. Uh, I have a little bit of a background in special operations. So, um, Scott, always the show is fun. I appreciate the the opportunity to let people know about the. Uh, the second career I have I've pursued in writing. Yeah. I'm going to drop his Twitter. So if you guys want those books like that, there's where you go to DM. That's where you follow. It's right there in the yes. chat. And, and you can see, you can see right there, the, the cigars and the books all together. Yeah. That that's just, yeah. Um, With some knob Creek. I, I want to add, we got some good um, knob Creek pictures, by the way, in Twitter today. Go. There's I'm a cigar. Sorry, um, the the one thing I, I I keep forgetting to 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 plug, if you will, and it's written on the inside cover of the of the first book. Proceeds from profits of sales will be donated to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, whose purpose is to ensure every child of a fallenness soft warrior receives college college education. I, I guess I don't say that enough. Um, yeah. I didn't actually make a profit la last year, but I, but I did. Uh, uh, send a check at 250 bucks to uh, special special operations warrior fund. So that, that's that's partially where some of the money's going, and it certainly is appreciated in that community. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Uh, you, you're you're definitely doing it for the right reasons, and uh, you know, you know, you know, a lot of us we don't, I, you know, I don't do the, I don't do what I do for for you know, for money. And I, I know you guys don't need the money either, but, you know, it brings us a lot of uh, joy. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us pass on um, some of the money that we do make uh, to these, uh, these great charities. So uh, this is a good one. Uh, I've, I've looked in part of, part of my CFC, you know, uh, you know, annual fill out thing, you know, in the past I've, I've uh, donated to this charity. So uh, this, so this is one I personally uh, like, uh, and I would encourage you guys to look into it. Um, okay, so I'm going to forego plugging my book tonight, and I want to plug uh, a, a talk that I saw on. Uh, so, watcher in the private chat, there's a YouTube link. So just bring that bring that up. So this is. Um, so if you want to know, like. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to this, um, you know, uh, paradigm as, as like offensive neorealism, uh, 
Uh, you know, that's not like my preferred way. If I were president, I would do that. But that being said, I think the world, I think it's a, a much more uh, cogent explanation for why countries act the way they do. Um, you know, people talk about the morality and the law and all this kind of stuff and what, and what um, you know, Putin has done when in fact, states don't care about morality. States don't care about laws. States care about power and maximizing their opportunities and uh, and increasing their lot in the world, right? Because there is no police, there is no global police. Um, you know, we can all shake our fingers at Russia, um, but really the only global police is if one of us as a country decides to invade Russia and take over Russia. I mean, that's, that's your only option. Uh, you're seeing how in, you know, we've talked about, these sanctions. And if you want to know more about the sanctions, uh, we, we're going to talk about them tomorrow on uh, Andrew's show. Um, and uh, and so you see how you know, anemic these, these sanctions can be. Um, I recommend you guys all check out this. It's um, John Mersheimer and I forgot the other gentleman's name, uh, Ray McGovern. And they both give, uh, from a standpoint of a, a realist uh, political standpoint, uh, you know, not political, a realist um, interpretation of international relations. Uh, they give you their understanding of why uh, Russia has done what, it, what they've done. Uh, this is about a, a little less than a week old, March 3rd, I think it's, yeah. So uh, give this a give this a watch, and you'll understand, I think, a lot better as to what is what was Putin thinking. He, this is what he's thinking. Um, this is what uh, this is what's going through his head. And I I'll be honest with you, when you find yourself scratching your your chin when Xi uh, invades Taiwan, and you're thinking, well, what was Xi thinking? Well, this is what this explains what Xi will be thinking as well. So um, definitely give this uh, video a look. And, uh, you know, think of that as your homework for uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to actually talk about some of this stuff on Friday. Uh, just, you know, the, just the IR kind of piece of this. I know that's a little on the nerdy side, uh, but ultimately, uh, I think, you know, it's important for us to kind of have an understanding of why these states do the things they do. Romeo, you said you got something you want to. Yeah, um, I don't know how many of you are. Uh ever partook in Rolling Thunder, but I got a call from one of the original founders uh, a few nights ago, and Rolling Thunder will be on this year in May. They are working on the permits, and it's coming back. Oh, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, D.C., and then they end up at the parking lot there in the Pentagon, right? Well, you start at the Pentagon. I'll start at the Pentagon, okay. Then go through D.C., past the Vietnam Memorial, to the Capitol building, turn around, loop around. And it, it's a good four-day event. A lot of good things going on at the different memorials and various services, things of that nature. Well, you guys will probably have to go, you have to navigate around all of the security fencing around the Capitol now, you know, because that'll be seen as a hostile occupying force, I'm sure. <laughs> Can't have patriots coming into the uh, to the Capitol. That's, uh, that's threatening. Um, all right. So on that uh, on that note, uh, I think uh, we're going to end it. Um,
thank you for watching the show. Please give it a give us a subscribe if you're not subscribed. Um, give Romeo a follow down there. Give all uh, all my council members a follow on Twitter. The links are all down in the description. Um, you know, please, uh, you know, uh, like the video if you haven't already. Share it with your friends. Um, you know, we're a small channel. We don't really get any marketing uh, via the algorithm uh, because we do these long uh, live streams. We like to try to keep it light, but we also keep it informative. Uh, and if there's topics that we're not hitting uh, that you guys want to see, please let us know. Um, you can reach out to any of us. Uh, I don't know about the, all the council members, but my DMs are open. Uh, and then also uh, you can throw it in the uh, comments on uh, any of the videos, especially if you like something. If we cover something you like and you uh, see content like that, you know, that's that's helpful, too. Uh, any feedback at all is helpful. Uh, appreciate it and uh, have a good day.